you know, various groups of people or individuals. Um, you know, so much of it to me seems like a distraction. Um, and I don't mean that a distraction in the sense of like, oh, don't pay attention to that. That's not important. It is important. It's very important. Um, looking out for civil rights, uh, civil liberties, um, accepting one another as neighbors. Uh, these are all of the utmost importance. Um, and yet we seem to have all of these clowns, these, these uh, scarecrows jumping up in front of us, right? Like, like Donald Trump or like that guy who was gonna, who was invited to talk at UC Berkeley the other night, who, um, you know, had been invited and then people said, don't let him come here. He's full of hate. He's going to endanger students. Um, he's going to endanger, um, undocumented students. Uh, it's just hate speech. Hate speech is not free speech. Threatening speech is not free speech. Um, you know, it, it, it's very twisted to start to have these villains pop up. Um, I think we really need to stay vigilant about what's happening behind the curtain, so to speak. All of these people that Donald Trump has nominated to the cabinet are folks who do not have the American people's best interests at heart. You have several folks. He said he's going to drain the swamp. He's got several folks who are uh, career um, people from Goldman Sachs, um, Wall Street, uh, various trading houses, fucking Rex Tillerson from ExxonMobil, who is named currently in a lawsuit against Exxon for participating in atrocities in Indonesia. Um, and he got in, he got confirmed. All these people just keep getting confirmed. Uh, Steve Mnuchin, uh, Goldman Sachs is nominated for the secretary of treasury. Um, Jeff Sessions funded by wall street nominated for attorney general, despite a history of going against, um, civil rights and civil liberties. Uh, Gary Cohn has been nominated as the director of the National Economic Council. He's from Goldman Sachs. Uh, Tom Price, who actually was a, a, a doctor, um, has been named uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services. Um, a lot of funding from big drug companies. Um, wants to dismantle the Affordable Care Act, a.k.a. Obamacare. Um, Wilbur Ross nominated for the secretary of commerce from WL Ross and Co company. Um, Andy Putzer nominated for the secretary of labor, who is an, an owner of Hardee's and Carl's jr. And is staunchly against minimum wage for the secretary of labor. Oh, let's not, I can't even look at Steve Bannon. Uh, what a mess that guy is. And he is in a very powerful position right now. He's been not only the chief strategist, uh, for the, for the president whispering in his ear, uh, 
but also has been named to the National Security Council. That's the kind of position that Kissinger was in. This is a dangerous situation, a dangerous person to have in there. And he was a Goldman Sachs guy, too, before he was some sort of <laughs> radical radio host, um, <laughs> which I say tongue in cheek, of course. Uh, what are all those pundits talking about? Um, Oh, here's an interesting one. Secretary of Transportation, she already got confirmed. Um, Elaine Chow, who has been around for a long time now. Uh, she was the Secretary of Labor under um, George W. Bush and uh, for both terms. Uh, she was a director of the Peace Corps at one point uh, after... Um, she was the director of United Way for a long time. Uh, she's She's been with uh, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and her husband is Mitch McConnell. She's been confirmed. Um, and of course, right now, the battle is still underway against uh, nominee for Edu Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos. Um, whose family owns, uh, <laughs> they, uh, family profits from student loans. <laughs> she's never gone to public school. She's not a teacher. Um, she's a billionaire. She's been, uh, she and her husband have donated for like $47 million over the past few years to try to, um, gut private uh, public education and move money over towards private vouchers uh for for to go to for these private charter schools which i'm not wholeheartedly against i think you should have uh, options in your education but i, I i'll tell you right now i wor used to work for a charter school on a substitute basis and um you know everyone has to take tests and uh and i was asked at one point to uh clean up the Scantron tests from the little kids so that, that they could, you know, actually scan them. And it was basically, uh, I was being asked to do something, um, to alter the tests essentially, um, which I found to be, uh, rather disturbing. So, you know, it's all for those who have an insatiable appetite for all things in life, who scream at nothing and everything at the same time, who dance till sunup, who cause the sun to set again with irreverent bow, who rival the moon with gravitational force, who leave rooms feeling empty and earthquake struck, who don't give a fuck, who make, who do, who dream out loud and laugh like maniacs, who draw shock and awe on faces graced with watching, who create from the soul of an orgasm, who swagger even alone in the shower, who fight with power and love with passion and our passion who catapult over cliffs in the name of revolution who would rather die than fall in line to conform who constantly challenge the norm who greet each and every day as if just born i say to you i know your greatness the way a suicide jumper knows weightless just before the impact and in fact i know it best when i say to you i love you the Night Space brings you high time story time every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. Listen to San Francisco's finest underground comedians read crazy stories written by me, Arden, on The Night Space. The Night Space featuring high time story time every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. 
High Time Storytime Volume 1, now available on Amazon.com for Kindle and electronic download. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for near five every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? <laughs> it's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Well, hey there, San Francisco. If you're looking for some delicious late-night food, I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find Counter Offer, offering you amazing late-night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini and creamy delicious mac and cheese. You like tacos? Then get them. And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads going to come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Brenda's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
to that. Tell me what you think about your situation. Complication, aggravation. Is it getting to you? Then tune in live every Sunday from 12 to 2 p.m. to the Edge of Insanity with myself, Paul Brumbaugh. Kit Marie. Brandon Ray. And Mistress Christine. All on Mutiny Radio. That's right, PCRcollective.org. We'll see you there. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8 that's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's Performance Space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. LSD, fab, acid, fapping, fapping, acid, acid, fapping, fapping, acid, fap, 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 acid. Thank you. That song is called Acid and Fapping. This is Tuchel Matters with Mute in the Radio. Big up to the number one station that rule the nation. Give it to me every time. Ah! The Freeform Stand, every Sunday at 1 p.m., parking Nidos Unidos at 23rd and Folsom. The Freeform Stand and all volunteer a project of the No Penny Opera. It's about sharing the wealth of urban farms and gardens. Making, m- helping making local growth, fresh and nutrients, organic produce accessible to all, especially those in individuals or low incomes or tight budgets. 
where free farm stand grows food in San Francisco and distributes its it for free. We act as a gathered place in mission to encourage community growth and involvement. This effort resolved most around gathering surplus foods from neighborhood gardens, various farmer markets, community gardens, public and private fruit trees, and hosting a space where this bounty can be shared with all. We also work with produce to the people who harvest organic fruits from backyard fruit trees and public spaces and bring it out to our free farm stand. For more information or if you want to help or if you have or know of a fruit tree that needs picking, you can contact Lauren with at Produce to the People at Produce to the People and inject politics into the physician-patient relationship. I'm stunned that this POS bill would get this far, and I'm writing to call for action. If Oklahoma Governor Mary Fallon signs it, she may very well kiss her political career goodbye. She's in a bad spot. Damned if you do, and damned if you don't. Compliments of the good old boys in the good old party, that's GOP, where extremists rule the day. But then, it was her choice to remain a member of a party that votes against women. To contact Governor Fallon, here is her office phone and fax. I am unable to find an email at this time, but uh, when and if you call, please keep in mind that although she is part of the problem, she did not create the bill, nor has she signed it yet. It is hoped she will do the right thing. And Governor Mary Fallon, if you want to send her a letter, I'll read the address, or if you're in Oklahoma, I don't... If I have any listeners out in Oklahoma City or you know folks, go give her a visit. Uh, so Oklahoma State Capitol is at 2300 North Lincoln Boulevard, room 212 in Oklahoma City. I can send her a postcard even. Uh, it's Oklahoma City OK. 73105. Call on the phone, 405-521-2342. Again, that's 405-521-2342. Let your voice be heard. If you have a fax machine and you feel like sending a fax, why not do that? The fax number is 405-521-3353. And uh, then they have a quote from Susan B. Anthony, as there should be, I guess, in a lot of places. Uh, no self-respecting woman should wish or work for the success of a party that ignores her sex. And that's from 1872, long time ago. The debate over our right to choose what's best for our bodies and our future will most likely outlive us. But... We fight because it's what our foremothers and forefathers did for us, and it's what we must do for our daughters and their daughters. It's been said in different ways that anti-choice legislation will never end abortions. They will only create unsafe abortions. Be sure we are hashtag not going back to the alley. And not going back is the only part of the hashtag to the alleys after that. Here are 13 large and small reproductive rights organizations and social media groups to visit slash support. They can offer information and or discussion about women's rights and laws against women. Uh, Planned Parenthood, NARAL, which I hugely support. I also support Planned Parenthood, but NARAL more so. Uh, Pro-Choice America. Now, National Organization for Women, uh, NAF, which is the National Abortion Federation, RH Reality, UniteWomen.org, Abortion.com, that's glad that exists, uh, Fight Laws Against Women, We Are Fuse, and that's F-U-S-E, Abigail Adams Brigade, Pro-Choice Liberals, Stop Patriarchy Now, and Center for Reproductive Rights. Also those last two, yes. Uh, the Guttmacher Institute is an excellent source of women's reproductive data and current legislation. Many thanks to Meteor Blades for reporting this news and for his continued pro-choice advocacy for women's reproductive rights. You can read the story here, and they have a link to that. And so we march on, and we are hashtag not going back. And you can find all the links to all these organizations on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash weekly rev. I think it's time for some more music. 
Here's another song that was performed, and it's kind of angry, but also has a nice uh, beat to it. So play this music, and then we'll be back with some more stories, some positive and some... Mm, we'll, we'll, we'll find ways to, to make it positive. John Neffel, and I am an independent journalist based in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I'm the the co-host of a daily podcast called Radio Dispatch, and I've got a new story in the Village Voice. Um, So uh, for folks who haven't read the the story yet, um, perhaps we can uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, So it's a a feature-length profile of two leftist activists uh, from New York, and uh, I followed them for several months as they prepared to smuggle themselves into northern Syria to join a Kurdish militia that's known as the YPG, which stands for the People's Protection Unit. Very cool. Wow. So how did you um, first get involved with them? Yeah, it's, it's funny. Uh, the story really begins back in late 2011, Uh, I was covering an action um, put on by Occupy Wall Street uh, in December of uh, 2011, and uh, I was arrested, um, even though I was a journalist, not an activist, I was arrested uh, with 16 other people, and one of them was uh, a young young activist named Guy Stewart, um, and he and I ended up spending... Uh, 37 hours in jail together uh, as a result of the arrest. So, you know, we had a lot of time to talk. And uh, we basically stayed in touch uh, over the years since then. And um, in January of this year, he sent me a a Facebook message and said, I'm doing something that you might be interested in. So uh, basically from then on, he and I were in almost constant contact. Awesome. Very cool. Great. So, yeah, so I guess we can uh, talk more. I mean, we can maybe go back a little bit to Occupy. I remember because I left New York uh, in 2011 in the summertime, shortly before that happened. I remember following it, and I was in St. Louis in the fall. So I was uh, remember when that was happening there, and I do remember following online and seeing even the, the photo of you, of you with holding your glasses. Yeah, yeah, that one, uh, that one was uh, shared pretty widely online, and it was it was strange to uh, find myself being the subject of uh, of a what just is objectively a kind of iconic looking photograph. It was a very strange phenomenon. Yes. Yeah, and something similar um, here in San Francisco. There's been there was a lot of pressure to have the police chief fired, and thankfully he has resigned. Um, and a, f- a few months ago, folks took to city hall, and of course the police ended up harassing and uh, assaulting quite a few people, um, including journalists. So I think for for some folks who were not quite uh, were a bit surprised that that would happen, but that seems, that seems to been have happening for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, I I really think that that at the at the local level, at the level of of mayors and police chiefs, um, there's been a, a serious lack of attention paid to First Amendment protections for for press, for activists, um, for assembly rights. Um, and yeah, I mean, I really think that that one of the lesser told stories over the last I don't know five, six, seven years 
is uh, is like a real just complete lack of respect for uh, freedom of the press by yes. by mayors and police chiefs really across the country. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, have you um, encountered any more like violence um, in in your fields uh, since the Occupy movement? Uh, well, I was arrested a second time, um, also as a journalist, uh, on the one-year anniversary of Occupy. Uh, but since then, there was there was a, a year where I had an official NYPD um, press credential, which I resisted getting for a long time because I don't think that the police of any city should be the people conferring the status of journalist or not journalist. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, it seems to me a little bit like the um, the fox watching the hen house, as they say. Um, but after the second arrest, I kind of was just like, this is, I can't keep doing my job. Uh, I keep getting kidnapped by the state. Yeah. So... <laughs> So uh, I applied for uh, credentials, and then they expired. And honestly, since then, I've, I've been doing less reporting on sort of demonstrations and marches and more um, stuff around uh, Guantanamo and, and refugees and things like that. So I haven't personally seen a lot of that, though I know, obviously, it, like in, in Ferguson, for instance, yeah. um, a close friend of mine um, got shot by the police with rubber bullets as he was approaching them with his hands up. Uh, and he's a he's a white guy, so you know that they were trigger happy if they were doing that. And he was saying press. Yes. So, yeah. you know, that's just like one one of many many examples of uh, of, of recent uh, literal attacks on on press. Oh, oh, oh. So, um, so speaking of uh, I guess Guantanamo, what's happening there, if anything at all? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So I was actually just there um, to get a media tour um, uh, earlier this month, just about a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, they call it a media tour. In reality, it's about a one-day, um, highly choreographed, um, you know, very tightly controlled walkthrough of some of the facilities. Um, and everyone really stays on their talking points. It's it's a it's a, a, a kind of media tour in name only. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, nonetheless, it was interesting. It was my fifth time there, um, but my first time taking a tour of the, the facilities. And really, I think the big the the big story with Guantanamo is that we can expect um, a, a probably two dozen transfers, give or take, in the next month and a half. Oh wow. Okay. Um, and then after that, my strong suspicion is that transfers are going to almost totally flatline. And I think that by the end of Obama's term, there's going to be somewhere between 30 and 40 people who are still going to be held at Guantanamo. Oh, and there's really, um, I think, very little reason to think that they will either be transferred to the U.S. Um, for for continued imprisonment or whether any of those people will be detained. And I think that basically um, Obama is going to pass on a very, very small uh, population of detainees to mm. the next administration. Oh, I, I mean, I'm not surprised. It just still feels disheartening to, to hear that. Um, it's also yeah. good just to get some information from like from from the inside or from as close as possible. Yeah, well, one of the things that was that was really um, troubling about about the media visit is that 
um, various officials, basically the top commander uh, on the on the base, and then the the person who's below him, who is essentially the prison warden, um, both said that for right now there's this is according to them, so take it with a grain of salt. But yeah. they said that there's a great amount of um, optimism amongst the population of detainees or prisoners, if you like, um, yeah. because there have been so many, uh, relatively speaking, a lot of transfers lately, and so. Um, I think that there is, at least according to them, there's there's optimism that people you know think they're going to get out. Many of them have been held for 12, 13, 14 years at this point um, without charge. And but where the troubling part comes in is what I was saying before: is that even when you talk to commanders and, and um, the, you know the warden on on the base, they say that that once those transfers happen and then everything starts to slow down you're going to very understandably get a population there that is very, very angry yeah. and in- increasingly desperate and increasingly hopeless, especially given the fact that um, obviously Donald Trump is not saying he wants to close Guantanamo, quite the opposite. <sighs> and Hillary Clinton is, has been very, very quiet on the topic. Of course. Um, to be honest, I would not at all be surprised if she becomes president. I could see her at some point, given... You know, given some sort of national emergency, I could see her increasing the population. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think that there's going to be a lot of of real uh, despair among people who are there if and when they're there by the time Obama leaves office. Uh, oh, that. Ugh, that's. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, that's my reaction to a lot of things. Uh, so yeah, it's that's, just... that's, what, that's the reaction I get when I talk to a lot of people about a lot of my stories. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think, like, hopeless definitely is something that comes up when one thinks about a lot of different things that have been happening in the country and in the world for a long time. And I feel like there's a lot of folks who do want to help and do recognize that the system is messed up and things are really backwards. And then it's very easy to feel powerless um, which is, I think, part of the reason like journalism is so important and so necessary is to at least let folks understand what's happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think that's right. I think that that um, getting information out there is necessary uh, for social good, even if it's not in itself sufficient. You know, I I sort of think of uh, journalists, uh, at least the kind of journalists that I that I uh, <laughs> like and aspire to be. I think of them as part of a kind of complex ecosystem where you have journalists and you have lawyers and you have human rights investigators and you have activists and you have just a sort of uh, people who are all basically working towards greater levels of human rights and human dignity, but all doing it in kind of separate but related ways. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, that journalism is, you know, at its best at least, is one key part of that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, one one highlight, I guess, of the internet age is that folks feel like they're able to at least um, put out their, their words, like, for instance, on social media, like with the elections being rigged and folks reporting that their votes haven't been counted, uh, something even, even like that, people feeling like they have a voice and they're able to share what's happening with them, where, as a, you know, opposed to, like, decades ago, that might not have been the case. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, for as 
for as toxic as the internet can be in so many instances, there's, <laughs> yes. there's also, you know, there's the, there are the occasional moments, um, sometimes more than occasional moments, where there really is, uh, you, you know, you can tell that, that the publishing paradigm has shifted such that, that you know, traditional gatekeepers uh, to, to media platforms don't play exactly the same outsized role that they used to. Uh, obviously, who gets to go on TV is still very, very important and very closed off to the vast majority of, of people. Yeah. Um, but at the very least, you know, you have platforms where people can put out uh, information and, and at least get it out to the world in a way that, you know, even like 10 years ago would have been very, very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a good thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so maybe we can uh, just talk more about the so the story that you'd written for the for the Village Voice. Um, so for folks who are heading, uh, getting back that way. So like for folks who are heading to Syria in order to help fight uh, for the people. Um, yeah. Well, so so what's really interesting about about the two the two people that I profiled um, is is that uh, they they are entering probably the most complicated conflict in the world right now. And to understand what they're doing, it's, it's probably worth just, um, I'll, I'll try to lay out some of the, the regional, some of the, the regional um, political dynamics, cool. just so people have a, a sort of sense of who the, who the actors here are in this, because it's, it's very difficult to keep all of it straight. So basically, the, the, the group that these two are going to support um, sort of roughly speaking, is called the YPG, as I said, and it's a, a Kurdish militia that uh, arose in, um, really came to prominence in, in 2012, 2011-2012, uh, out of the chaos of the civil war in Syria. And the Kurds are, for people who aren't familiar, are at least, they refer to themselves as the largest um, ethnicity on the planet without a state. So mm. You basically have about 30 million Kurds, wow. roughly. The estimates aren't exactly correct, or aren't exactly precise, but roughly 30 mm. million Kurds spread out over four countries. Um, you have Syria, Iraq, uh, Iran, and then the majority uh, of whom who are in Turkey, especially Southeast Turkey. And so, as the uh, as the Arab Spring uh, or Arab revolutions sweep the the region from from Tunisia to Egypt and um, and uh, young activists, especially in in Syria, are inspired and take to the streets to protest against the government uh, that's run by uh, the dictator Bashar al-Assad. Uh, the the revolution there um, quickly. Uh, descends into chaos as Assad, you know, opens fire on his own people, and essentially what begins to happen is that out of the chaos that ensues as the revolution becomes militarized, um, Kurds in the north are able to establish an autonomous zone for themselves, which mm -hmm. they have long been denied by the Syrian regime. Mm -hmm. And so, as as the regime focuses more on anti-government rebels. It sort of uh, takes a lot of its troops away from the Kurds in the north, and basically just says, "Okay, the the, the Kurds can have this area in the north, 
mm -hmm. um, we're going to focus on, on uh, uh, the enemies who are trying to oust us. And so okay. this, area, this area in the north is called Rojava, which is the Kurdish word for west. So this is West Kurdistan. Um, if you think of the, those four countries that I named before, this is, this is a sort of western version of where a hypothetical Kurdish state would be. Okay. So the, the revolution in Rojava is very much um, built on a foundation of uh, anarchist thinking. Ah. Um, the, the ideological head, essentially, of the political party there um, has been in prison um, since 1999, but his political theories, this, the guy's name is uh, Abdullah Oshalan, his political theories are um, based very heavily on a theorist named Murray Bookchin, and essentially what it says is that um, it's, it's anti-capitalist, it's very um, pro-feminist, and uh, it's based on a kind of uh, post-state um, idea of, of local organizing uh, and that, that uh, it's, it's, it's about keeping power localized yeah. in neighborhoods and not centralized yeah. in, a, in a state. Awesome. And so it's, it's, you can tell why, it, why this revolution would be a, a sort of natural ideological um, fit for anarchists uh, the world over, including in America. Yeah. Now, it's, it, what's interesting is that there have already been roughly between 100 and 150 Americans who have joined, who have gone to either Syria or Iraq to, um, to fight against ISIS and to join the Kurds. What's interesting about um, every American who has gone so far at least every reported American who's gone so far, mm -hmm. is that they're much more likely to be conservative. They're much more likely to be um, military veterans. Uh, they're much more likely to be motivated by Christianity. Mm -hmm. And so you have this group of primarily ex-military um, conservatives who go over and join this anarchist militia. Huh. And, and they get there, these Americans get there, and they're completely surprised. They have yeah. no idea what they're doing. They, you know, there's a quote where one of them um, says, the YPG are a bunch of commies. And he says it's in a very disparaging way. Right? Uh -huh. so, so you have this kind of um, strange situation where Americans um, want to get back to the battle, so to speak. Uh, they want to fight ISIS, but the available options to them, in Syria at least, is this left-wing feminist group, um, and it largely doesn't fit with with most of the Americans' political ideology. There, what's different about about the two um, uh, young young activists that I talked to, Guy and the other one, his name is Christo, mm -hmm. is that the ideology was the draw for them. Yes. you know, they they specifically wanted to go to help their anarchist comrade. Yeah. And that really sets them apart from the other Americans. Now, there have been a small number of uh, European anarchists who have gone, um, but large, lar it, for really for the most part, the numbers have remained fairly low in terms of, of leftists going to, uh, to join up. Mm -hmm. And it's also important to note that, that uh, Guy and Christo um, both did not plan on actually becoming soldiers. Mm -hmm. So they were both um, 
going to going there to create pro-Kurdish media, what they sort of refer oh. to in a, in a tongue-in-cheek way as propaganda. I see. So, so they were interested in like documenting daily life, showing the struggles mm -hmm. of the revolution, the successes of the revolution. Neither of them were going there to quote-unquote fight ISIS. Got it. I think also, also separates them from the other Americans who were very explicitly going there to, um, you know, to, to try to shoot ISIS militants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it'll be interesting. I'm very curious to to hear and to see what it's like for those for the folks who went in with just that kind of strict military ideology um, to see if they end up maybe accepting or seeing the the bright side um, of the leftist ideology. Yeah, it's it's a really really interesting question, um, and I think that one of the things that Westerners. Um, have to do when they when they cross the border from you basically the border from Turkey is closed now so everyone who's crossing over is crossing from Iraq to Syria but when they cross over they have to spend the first um, at least two weeks in what the Kurds refer to as uh, ideological training huh. so you learn essentially the, the basics of the system of belief that, that they call democratic confederalism and it's, it's Again, it's very feminist. It's very communalist. Um, uh, it's it's private property is very limited. You know, meals are done together, living is done together, um, and so I'm not exactly sure how many sort of like ideological converts there have been. Yeah. Um, but it's a really interesting question uh, as as far as like uh, whether whether people who have gone there have sort of. Um, you know, maybe came from a more conservative capitalist mindset, and that were uh, were were won over once they, uh, you know, were sort of in in the revolution. I'm not sure what the answer is to that. Yeah, yeah, I'd be very I'd be very curious, and I'd also just wonder how other folks could help contribute. Like, certainly not necessarily in a military sense, but like as you're mentioning, Guy and Hristo were more on the media side. How other folks could also join to um, help the cause. Yeah, I mean, one of the things certainly that that I think um, you hear from from groups that are um, sort of like outward facing, uh, especially to the West, is that uh, after this many years of war and and previous decades, really of basically abandonment from the the Assad regime, uh, a lot of the area, um, you know, still needs to have infrastructure built up. Um, there are areas where uh, industry is, is, you know, um, could be built up. Uh, obviously, you need doctors and engineers and all things like sorts of things like that in a in a revolution. But I think even more so than anything else, at least the people that I spoke to wanted wanted information to to get out as much as anything else. And they, you know, Kurds Kurds have been um, have been oppressed uh, and and um, and rendered stateless for at least since the since the first world war mm. um and i think that in a large part what they're fighting for is visibility and autonomy and you know it's not it's not entirely clear what what westerners can sort of do to to promote that exactly but i think that part of it at least is is raising um raising the profile of the project that they uh that they are engaged in yeah yeah, it's, I'm really curious to, to see what happens. 
Yeah. Well, and so um, you know, to give the sort of uh, to give a spoiler for the for the story. Yeah. Um, essentially, one of the uh, one of the two that I uh, profile, um, like they both they both travel to northern Iraq um, to Iraqi Kurdistan, uh, a city called Sulaimania, and um, there they they uh, get in touch with their contact who's in Syria. But um, they are uh, unable to cross the border for weeks, and so they stay at this hotel with other Westerners who are trying to cross over, and then they are taken to the safe house temporarily. And uh, their visa is starting to run out. And one of the things that's really important to understand about both of these two is that although they are um, both very ideologically motivated, they're also motivated by more practical concerns. Namely, that Guy uh, has wanted to be a conflict photojournalist for his entire life, mm-hmm. and that Christo wants to build his resume um, to make it more uh, attractive to graduate schools. And so, while they're in Sulaimania in northern Iraq, um, Christo gets uh, the worst fever of his life that puts him down for five days. And then shortly after that, as he's uh, regaining his health, he learns from his parents that he's been accepted into grad school. Ah. And so, so this happens as their visa is running out, and uh, and as four Westerners who try to cross over get arrested uh, at the border. And so, from so Christo is thinking to himself, you know, if I defer. My acceptance, there's no guarantee that I'll ever make it to Rojava. I could lose my spot in grad school. This makes no sense. So he returns home, and uh, he feels very uh, conflicted about it, very dispirited. You know, he's been planning this for a year, and he feels like it's a, a year of planning down the drain. And a couple of days later, right before the visa comes up, a guy is able to cross over. And he goes through training, and um, I've spoken to him a couple times uh, in the last few days, and he is still um, happy that he's there. Uh, he's, uh, you know, engaged. He's just about to launch the photo blog, um, which is called Scenes from Rojava. And, um, you know, I think that it's, it's certainly not a walk in the park, but I think that he is uh, He's still happy that he... Uh, that he went, and he'll probably be there for for several more months at least. Wow, that's great. That's really wow. Huh. So, um, so yeah. Hopefully, we can uh, still keep in touch and hear about their what's what's happening over there. And I'm curious as to as they do work on the media, um, the information that will be made available to us. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how uh, his time there changes Guy in terms of uh, his outlook, um, you know, his experience there. Uh, obviously, he right now is not uh, involved in any uh, direct combat. He's not he's he's not really at any at least for now um, threat of bodily harm. Yeah. Uh, you know, hopefully that remains the case obviously for as long as he's there, but um, it, it remains in a, a conflict zone, obviously. It's a, it's a civil war that displaced 12 million people, yeah. uh, 8 million internally and 4 million who have fled the country. And so 
um, you know, over the course of his time there, I think it's going to be really interesting to see uh, the effect that it has on him politically and personally. And that's something that I'm definitely going to going to follow up on, and I'd love to uh, come back on and talk more about. Yeah, please do. I think it's also just really inspiring. Like when I saw the the article, I was just like, oh, like first of all, the words anarcho-communist, like that's always nice to see. Um, (laughs) And then also just because I I know there's so many people who have a similar ideology. And then especially here in the States, when there's been the suppression that's happened for so long um, to see folks enacting it and to, to collaborate, there's that. I guess that hope, which maybe I'm, I'm a cynic, but I'm also really hopeful and optimistic and naive in some ways um, where it'd be like, wow, how about that happening here? And granted, like the, the United States has a whole other, we have a whole other history, a whole other things. I can't even really describe it, you know, succinctly, but to, to have that kind of happen here would be incredible. Yeah. Well, and I think at least to, to me, what was, what was really interesting about this, especially from a, from a journalist uh, point of view, is that um, there are the, the left in the United States, uh, and and if you sort of broaden it out, you know, vaguely liberals more more generally, I think that um, that we can often get uh, stuck in a lot of tired conversations. That oh yeah, feel like we've been <laughs> having them for decades, even before any of us were born. Yep. And and what's what's interesting to me about this story is that it's a way of talking about uh, about enacting leftist ideas uh, in a way that is that is completely different than a lot of the standard discussions that we have here. And I'm I'm certainly not endorsing uh, that anyone else do what Guy and Risto did. Um, certainly not without weighing the cons of it very very. Uh, carefully, because sure. although what they did is is not illegal under U.S. law, you know, uh, what I write in the story is that a creative prosecutor could probably find a charge if they wanted to. Ugh. So I, I, I certainly wouldn't, um, and, and I'm not endorsing, you know, the fact, like, the idea that people uh, follow in the footsteps of these two, but um, I felt very lucky that I was able to shadow them yeah. while they were getting ready to do this, because it was a way to talk about these ideas in a way that went beyond sort of, you know, like, is property destruction violence, which is an important conversation, but one that I just feel, like, exhausted by most of the time. Yes. Yeah, I hear that. I feel there's so much uh, infighting within communities that it's like, if we're going to fight amongst ourselves, how are we supposed to come together? Like, if we can't even all, you know, find consensus. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, um, yeah. If there's anything else you'd like to add, please feel free. Uh, I guess just if uh, if anyone wants uh, to hear any more about this, um, we spent uh, a recent uh, show talking about it on my podcast, uh, which is called Radio Dispatch, and um, we talk regularly about uh, about my Guantanamo reporting and also about Molly's reporting. My sister and co-host, yeah, uh, Molly uh, often writes on. Uh, education policy and um, and feminism and uh, all sorts of things that, uh, that your listeners I think would be interested in and uh, you know if people want more information they should come uh, come jump over uh, and take a listen to Radio Dispatch every once in a while. Excellent, cool. We'll we'll um, post links uh, on the on our weekly review page. Awesome. Sweet. Well, thank you so much for calling in. It's also really good to hear your voice. It's been a while. 
Yeah, you too. I know. It's been way too long. Sweet. Well, um, take care and keep up the good work and hope to chat with you soon and give, give Molly my regards. I will. You keep up the good work too. Oh, thanks. Take care. Bye. Bye. The 2016 primary season is exposing a crisis of democracy in America, the prevalence of voter suppression from voters forced to stand in line for five hours in Arizona to over 100,000 voters purged from the rolls in New York is inexcusable. Meanwhile, in North Carolina, a federal judge has upheld new voting restrictions, including a voter ID law that will disproportionately block poor and minority voters from the polls. It's no secret that reducing voter turnout benefits the political establishment. It's time to bring real democracy to America by eliminating unfair barriers to voting and ensuring every vote counts. Join my call to establish a constitutional right to vote today. It may surprise you that the U.S. Constitution does not explicitly guarantee our right to vote. That's why establishing an explicit constitutional right to vote is critical to overcoming voter suppression. Across the country, we see people who do everything they're supposed to, yet their votes are not counted due to the negligence of election officials. All too often, these disenfranchised voters are disappeared from official election results with no legal recourse. An explicit constitutional right to vote would empower Americans to challenge systemic voter suppression and restore the integrity of our elections. If you're concerned about the wave of voter suppression, add your voice to the call to establish a constitutional right to vote. Voter suppression issues in state after state are symptomatic of an electoral system designed to prop up the establishment political parties. We see the same pattern everywhere that partisan appointees control the electoral process, the establishment gains power and the voters lose power. It's time to take control of elections away from the parties and put them in the hands of the people through independent citizen boards in charge of everything from voter registration to redistricting. It's also past time to discard the obsolete uh, first-past-the-post voting system and adopt improved voting systems already used successfully around the world. The current voting system has most voters feeling trapped between two parties that are growing more and more out of touch with the American people. With polls showing record unpopularity, <laughs> uh, with polls showing record unpopularity for the Democratic and Republican frontrunners, we're facing the repugnant prospect of a general election where more votes are voting against what they fear than are voting for what they believe in. We can solve the lesser evil dilemma in a heartbeat by anarchy. No, shouldn't say that. We can solve the lesser evil dilemma in a heartbeat by enacting ranked choice voting, which ensures that if your first choice doesn't win, your vote is automatically reassigned to your second choice, freeing voters to support the candidates they most agree with. And to bring real democracy to the United States, we need proportional representation, which gives you the freedom to vote for the representation you want, knowing that it's what you'll get. Countries with proportional representation, which includes most Western democracies, have significantly higher voter turnout because people are more likely to participate in democracy when they know their voice will be represented, even when they're in the minority. All of these reforms, proportional representation, ranked choice voting, independent election boards, and more, 
would move America closer to real democracy and help break the grip of the elite special interests who have hijacked our government. But it all starts with fighting back against voter suppression, and the best way to do that is with an explicit constitutional right to vote. Sign and share my call for a constitutional right to vote today. By standing together in our fundamental right to vote, we can build an unstoppable movement for an America and a world that works for all of us. It's in our hands! Jill Stein. Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, if you go to, I haven't posted this yet. I'm going to post it right now. Um, y- you can sign. I signed. Uh, that's one, one way to help. I, I'm definitely skeptical. I'm not going to lie. I'm skeptical of the whole voting thing. Even if, I mean, even the fact that like Jill is on the ballot, the idea that folks on the third party don't have as much uh, say in the media, even Bernie Sanders, who's like, running in on the Democratic Party. Oh, that's another story we'll get to. So I'm not a member of any of the Bernie groups. A lot of my friends are. I like my Facebook feed for the most part. It's like, Bernie, 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 Bernie. So some Hillary, there's definitely some Hillary supporters there. There's some Jill Stein supporters. And then there's like anarchists who are like, fuck the whole system. And I'm like, cool. Um, but there are Bernie Sanders groups that Facebook decided to like, uh, cancel or just like get rid of and apparently it's from the hillary like pack like hired people to spam these groups with pornography and friends of mine have reported this so this comes like first-hand information first-hand second-hand information but people i know and trust have said that they received like people were spamming these groups with porn and so then people would report them to the facebook uh, and so Facebook had to take down these groups. And so like hundreds of thousands of organizers and Bernie supporters were then had their, uh, their communication restricted on Facebook. And that's pretty gross. That's really, really gross. Um, so with that being said, I'll, I'll add the Jill Stein thing in a bit when I can multitask. I can multitask, but I feel if I add it right now, I'm not going to be giving the, the show my full attention. So you can also just check out, uh, you can, where can you check it out? Uh, you can go to, what's the official, the official place to find Jill Stein? I would guess Green Party. I guess you type in Jill Stein, um, Jill 2016. Um, yes, jill2016.com. There we go. Problem solved. Jill2016.com. Uh, Jill signed for president. Uh, a new society, a new economy. Hashtag, it's in our hands. And uh, she also is inviting Sanders to cooperate on political revolution and real democracy, which is pretty badass. A lot of the times, the, the folks are running against each other, and there's a lot of like people are attacking one another. And it's like, if everyone really wanted a better world, it'd be like, let's all learn how to work together and you know share our resources. And instead, it's a lot of people just fighting with one another. And that's gross and childlike and dumb and very regressive and reductive. And ugh, it's like, I don't want any of that. So I, it would be great if, if Bernie were to hop on board with Jill Stein and if they could collaborate and share their resources and share their followers because they stand for a lot of the same things. Um, so I'll read a little bit from her page since I'm at her page. Why not? Americans deserve real solutions for the economic, social, and environmental crises we face. But the broken political system is only making things worse. It's time to build a people's movement to end unemployment and poverty, avert climate catastrophe, build a sustainable, just economy, and recognize the dignity and human rights of every person. The power to create this new world is not in our hopes. It's not in our dreams. It's in our hands. 
um, support Jill Stein's People Powered Campaign. You can donate if you if you want to, and if you're able to, join with thousands of your neighbors to build the momentum for real change. Support Jill Stein's People Powered Campaign today. Anything you give will be matched dollar for dollar by federal matching funds. Let's read about why she's running, uh, why Jill is running for president with the Green Party. Oh, it's pretty much what I just read. Uh, we are being battered by unemployment inequality. Da, 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 da. Yep, that's exactly it. So that's that's her platform, and uh, hard to find fault in that. And I can find fault in a lot of things. <laughs> I'm a bit of a cynic. I'm an optimist and a cynic. So that's great. So Target, I'm not into businesses, big corporations at all. However, when they stand up for good things, I, I think that's great. I'm not encouraging anyone to go to Target or to give them any more money. However, they have said that they are going to make sure that all trans folks have access to bathrooms, which would be a common sense thing. However, since they've said this, um, people are like going to boycott Target now. And it's, ugh, it's so people are so dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Um, so this is from All Out, which is an LGBTQ uh, organization. And I'll read a little bit about this. It's just dumb stuff. I, don't, I almost don't want to give them any airtime because I don't even want to talk about them. Um, but I appreciate it when businesses, even though I don't like big businesses, I don't like big corporations when they do the right thing, which is common sense. So I'm not even going to read it. So, you know, that's... Uh, and I would imagine most listeners of the show um, are not uh, going to go out and be overtly transphobic and in the face, you know, be like, that, that would not make sense to me. Although, stranger things have happened, but uh, there we go. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, okay, first of all, there's two things to know about this. Uh, I'm on, okay, back in the day, back in the early 2000s, I've repressed a lot of this from the years 2000 to 2008. It might have been because there were some people in the White House and people pulling the strings in the White House that made things terrible, so part of me wants to forget that existed, and I remember I wrote a letter to him, to Ding Dong W, that was like, don't, it, this is before they went to war, and there's like a lot of folks who were like, don't go to war, don't go to war, don't go to war, and I got a letter back that was like, oh, we have to protect the Iraqi people. And I was like, shut the fuck up. Anyway, so the World Can't Wait was one of these organ political organizations that was like very much against all that stuff happening. And I guess I haven't changed my name because the, the email is addressed to my old name and my old email address, which I still get. Uh, so that's disturbing in some regards. Um, but then they're saying that Bernie Sanders told MSNBC's Chris Hayes that he supports Obama sending 250 more troops into Syria. Um, do you think what's being done now is constitutional and legal, Hayes asked Sanders, noting the existence of a list of people that the U.S. government wants to kill? In general, I do, yes, Sanders replied. In three months, both the ruling class parties will convene to pick the next commander-in-chief. They're making preparations to sell wars of aggression, continued vast surveillance of whole populations, the whole catastrophe of empire. These unjust, immoral, illegitimate wars need to be opposed, especially when the eyes of the world are concentrated on these conventions. If you want to be involved in protests at the Republican convention in Cleveland, July 15th through the 18th, or the Democrats convention in Philadelphia, July 25th to 28th, contact us. And they have a way you can contact them. Again, this is from, uh, the world can't wait! Exclamation point. Stop the crimes of your government. Uh, hidden costs of the U.S. air war in Syria. There are near total silence. There is near total silence when U.S. bombs kill civilians in Iraq or Syria. Uh, Nicholas J. S. Davies, author of *Blood on Our Hands: The American Invasion and Destruction of Iraq*, writes on the outrage continuing in Syria. 
as the U.S. increases troops there. At the very least, U.S. airstrikes have killed hundreds of civilians in Mosul, as well as destroying much of the civilian infrastructure that people depend on for their lives in already dire conditions. And yet, this is, by all accounts, the only, only the beginning of the U.S.-Iraqi campaign to retake Mosul. USA Today reported on April 19th that U.S. Air Forces bombing Syria and Iraq have been operating under new, looser rules of engagement since last fall. The war commander, Lieutenant General Sean McFarland, now orders airstrikes that are expected to kill up to 10 civilians without prior approval from the U.S. Central Command, and U.S. officials made it clear to USA Today that U.S. airstrikes are killing more civilians as a result of the new rules. Under these new rules of engagement, the U.S. has constructed, has conducted a major escalation of its bombing campaign against Mosul, an Iraqi city of about 1.5 million people, which has been occupied by Islamic State since 2014. Reports of hundreds of civilians uh, killed in U.S. airstrikes reveal some of the human costs of the U.S. air war and the new rules of engagement. Oof. Okay. Next. Washington civilian kill list in Afghanistan. Drone whistleblowers step out of the shadows. In Washington's drone wars, collateral damage comes home. And this is also from World Can't Wait. Uh, uh, Pratap uh, Chatterjee writes about recent films on the U.S. drone war, including National Bird. Sometimes I'm so sad that my heart wants to explode, an Afghan man says, speaking directly into the camera. When your body is intact, your mind is different. You are content. But the moment you are wounded, your soul gets damaged. When your leg is torn off and your gait slows, it also burdens your spirit. The speaker is an unarmed victim of a February 2010 drone strike in Uruzgan, Afghanistan, but he could just as easily be an Iraqi, a Pakistani, a Somali, or a Yemeni. He appears in National Bird, a haunting new documentary film by Sonia Kennebec about the unexpected and largely unrecorded devastation Washington's drone wars leave in their wake. In it, the audience hears directly from both drone personnel and their victims. National Bird features whistleblowers who have not been public before. When the president and his key officials look at the drone program, they undoubtedly don't see women and children. Instead, they are caught up in a Hollywood-style vision of imminent danger from terrorists and the kind of salvation that a missile launched from thousands of miles away provides. It is undoubtedly thanks to just... It is undoubtedly thanks to just this thought process, already deeply embedded in the American way of war, not that a single candidate for president in 2016 has rejected the drone program. That is exactly what whistleblowers feel needs to change. I just want people to know that not everybody is a freaking terrorist and we need to just get that out of the mind. We, we need to just get out of that mindset. And we just need to see these people as people, families, communities, brothers, mothers, and sisters, because that's who they are, says Lisa, a former army nurse. Imagine that this was happening to us. Imagine if our children were walking outside of the door and it was a sunny day and they were afraid because they didn't know if today was the day that something would fall out of the sky and kill someone close to them. How would we feel? And they also have uh, one more. Who is still held at Guantanamo? Because that's still happening. <sighs> Again, not sarcastic, but just angry. Uh, because people wrote to ask who is still in Guantanamo, we are sharing Andy Worthington's list of up of the 80 prisoners still held, almost all of them without charges. Fuck. And you can check this out at closeguantanamo.org. Um, this is from uh, Deborah Sweet, who is the director of World Can't Wait. Man, 
Huh. So that's really, I think there's a lot of folks who thought, oh, Obama's in office and now everything's going to change. And granted, there are things that were in the works before he took office. Um, however, there's a lot of us who are very much like, oh, as long as the system is still in place, a lot of these things are going to continue. And he said he was going to close Guantanamo, and that hasn't happened. And now there's 80 people who are still there. And imagine if that was someone that you knew and someone that you loved. And imagine if that was you, even, to be imprisoned without having any any say in in your your life. And that goes back to the beginning of the program with talking about folks even sent to jail for, for growing marijuana, growing a beautiful plant that's medicine. And... Uh, the idea that folks can be sent to prison and kept there is just really gross and uh, it would be nice if we lived in a world where that wasn't the case and we lived in the country I'd love to live in a country where like that wasn't there wasn't jails anywhere um, but there are new kids new babies being born all the time in this country and they're being born into a country and into a world where prisons are still a thing and people are kept unjustly and if we don't speak up about it then we're part of the problem I really do feel that way so I'm gonna I was gonna just could also read about the Middle East. We're running low on time. We'll get to Guantanamo, and we'll, we'll see how much we can fit in. Um, so the, if you go to the closeguantanamo.org page, uh, you can read, read more information. 779 prisoners have been held by the U.S. military at Guantanamo since the prison opened on January 11, 2002. Of those, 689 have been released or transferred. One was transferred to the U.S. to be tried, and nine have died, the most recent being Adnan Latif in September 2012. 80 men are still held, and 26 of these men have been recommended for release by high-level governmental review processes. To join the campaign for the prisoner's closure in 2016, see the countdown to close Guantanamo and the photos of celebrities and members of the public from around the world. 157 of the 779 prisoners have been released under President Obama, and although no prisoners were released for 15 months from January 2011, two Uyghur, um, Uyghur uh, prisoners, Muslims from China's Xinjiang uh, province were released in April 2012. Another man, Ibrahim Al-Kosi, was given a two-year sentence after a plea deal in January in July 2010, was released in July 2012, and in September 2012, Omar Khadr, a former child prisoner, was transferred to Canada to serve the rest of his sentence. He negotiated as part of a plea deal in October 2010. Ugh. And so if you go to the list, you can uh, see there's just more and more people. Um, that is extremely depressing and upsetting, and it's, it's still happening. And pretending it's not happening isn't going to change anything. So if you go to Close Guantanamo, if you care about this and want to take action or at least spread the word, um, go to closeguantanamo.org. Huh. <sighs> This is the world that we live in, so we have to change it. We have to, we have to, we have to. I'll do a show plug. <sighs> That's not a great transition at all. But, uh, I should say and. Yes, and. Um, so tomorrow, there's going to be a show at the up in Fairfield that I will be uh, taking part in. And, oh, there's another thing. I'm, okay, I'll get to that afterwards, after this, this great show plug. And this is going to be happening. Um, oh, there's so many great things I was going to share. I'll, I'll get to it. I'm just finding all the information for the show tomorrow. <coughs> Excuse me. So a lot of folks will be performing. And um, yeah, we're getting there. 
Did I post it? I thought I did. This is at the Solano um, Pride Center, and the show is happening tomorrow night, I believe at 7 p.m. A lot of folks are performing. Uh, Samson McCormick, Jesus You Better Work, Ash Fisher, uh, Jess Morgan, and myself, oh, here we go, are performing. This is at 7 p.m., and it's at the Solano Pride Center. You can check it out at solanopride.org, and the address is 1234 Empire Street in Fairfield, California. Fairfield, known for the Jelly Belly Factory, which I am boycotting and have been boycotting for a while because the CEO said something transphobic or did something that was bad, and I'm like, no thanks. I can do without your jelly beans. Thank you very much. That's what I think about when I think about Fairfield. However, I'll be going to Fairfield tomorrow, so check out the show if you're up there, or if you feel like catching uh, a good, good comedy show. I need to write some comedy. A lot of stuff I write is very political and sometimes not that funny, so I'm going to look for the humor in the tragedy, and we all know there's a lot of tragedy out there, so I'll look for the, the positives in that. So yeah, and the show is tomorrow at 7 p.m. at uh, Solano Pride uh, Center, and that's again at 1234 Empire Street in Fairfield. Now getting to the few things, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot. There's always a lot to share. Um, Amy Goodman uh, was talking about good things as always, and I was going to share... Um, uh, she was just talking about the lack of representation in the media and how even Bernie, who, you know, even if we're not 100% behind him, like, don't agree with 100% of what he says, even he's not getting the uh, equal attention, media attention that Trump and Hillary are getting, and that's super problematic. So let's listen to what Amy, let's listen to what Amy has to say, and then here we go. Whether it's Fox or MSNBC or CNN, you often can't tell the difference. You're flipping from one channel to another, and they're all Trump all the time. It's Trumpland. It's called. This is called how the media is ruining the election. I see the media as a huge kitchen table that stretches across the globe, that we all sit around and debate and discuss the most important issues of the day, war and peace, life and death, and anything less than that is a disservice to a democratic society. It is critical in an election year to hear how policies affect people on the ground, not to get the pundits, but to get the people themselves. They're bringing you the pundits, and this is true on all the networks, the pundits, who know so little about so much, explaining the world to us and getting it so wrong. The media manufactures consent for war, for candidates in elections, by bringing you more, for example, of one person, like Donald Trump. He is pumped into everyone's home. He can just stay in a gold-gilded mansion in New York or one of them in Florida. The rest of the candidates trudge from one state to another. Why does he get this unfiltered uh, pipeline into everyone's brain, into your eyes, into your consciousness. It matters. The Tyndall Center did a report in 2015. They looked at the whole year. They found Donald Trump got 23 times the coverage of, say, Bernie Sanders. They found ABC World News Tonight did something like 81 minutes on Donald Trump, and I think they gave Bernie Sanders 20 seconds. Bernie Sanders is breaking every record. It's the only reason he's getting any coverage right now. I mean, the media, he is shaming the media. In March, he raised something like $44 million. Hillary Clinton raised 29 and change million dollars. 
$44 million. That hasn't been done before. You break every record and there's a blip in the corporate media radar screen. It just shows how astounding it would be if he got anything near the coverage of the other candidates. Could you imagine where he would be right now? In this high-tech digital age, with high-definition television, digital radio, all we get is static. That veil of distortion and lies and misrepresentations and half-truths that obscure reality. When what we need the media to give us is the dictionary definition of static, criticism, opposition, unwanted interference. We need a media that covers power, not covers for power. We need a media that is the fourth estate, not for the state. And we need a media that covers the movements that create static and make history. And on that note, we're going to end up the show. There's another article that folks can check out. Maybe I'll get to it, maybe. Um, next week, it's it's long and I want to give it its due attention. And this also comes from The Intercept. And it's a why a British fight over Israel and anti-Semitism matters to the rest of us. And that's written by Robert Mackey. And it came out today. So I definitely want to get to that. Because uh, there has been a lot of conflation. A lot of people who assume that because one is anti-Zionist, that means they are anti-Semitic. And that is not the case. And folks can very much be anti state and not be anti-Semitic. So that's a discussion that really needs to happen. So I want to read that story next week. Um, stay tuned. Next will be Global Val with Women's Magazine and uh, Mutiny Radio. Um, we're raising funds. Check out on the weekly review page. We have a, there's a fundraiser listed there as well as mutinyradio.fm, ways you can contribute. We also have spaces available, space available for rentals. If you want to do a show here, there's shows here every night of the week, um, every day of the week, uh, morning, afternoon, evening, late night. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff happening, so come by in person and say hello. We're at 2781 21st Street, and give us a call anytime, 415-550-0511, and live streaming at mutinyradio.fm. So, on that note, hope everyone has a pretty great weekend, and speak up against injustice um, as often as you can, and perhaps that will make a difference. And I'll leave some folks with uh, some prints again, and this is a really beautiful cover that usually, I, I like covers, but I'm also like, eh. um, this is uh, from PS22. Um, the chorus kids from PS22 and uh, it's kids, kids are our future so they say, so here's some really nice kids singing a nice cover of a Prince song, uh, have a great week everyone and we'll be back next week Anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and getting...
euphoria and stimulate appetite? I'm gonna guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby. Good, because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again. And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4altacalifornia.com. That's 4altacalifornia.com for a non-addictive, pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4altacalifornia.com. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutinyradio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> ACLU of California reminds us that we have the right to speak out. Both the California Constitution and the First Amendment to the United States Constitution protect our rights to free expression. There are many questions we face when we decide to organize and speak out. Do we need a permit? Are there limitations? Or when or when can we not demonstrate? What about civil disobedience? For all of this information, please check out aclunc.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite. I'm gonna guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby! Good, because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again! And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4altacalifornia.com. That's 4altacalifornia.com for a non-addictive, pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4altacalifornia.com. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? 
We'll gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutinyradio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> like the kind of person who has a sense of humor. Oh, uh, is the radio talking to me? No, I'm on an internet podcast. Uh, I'm talking to an internet podcast? Don't be silly. It's a one-way form of communication. But I don't want you to miss out on the Muni Radio Comedy Festival 2016 from March 2nd through 6th. And you don't have to. You can buy tickets now on universe.com. With 24 national and international visiting comedians and 20 local hosts, you won't want to miss a thing. What if I can't be at every show? Don't worry. All shows will be available for free download at Mutiny
Hi, welcome to Unleash the Rain. It is a beautiful Tuesday here in San Francisco. We're coming to you live from mutinyradio.fm in the mission. And uh, I'm, I'm it is a live. nice... I'm not really live live. Like I'm well, half live. You're never all live because I don't think anybody can handle that. You can't handle the truth. You can't handle the Vincent. I can't handle I the Vincent. I beg your pardon. That's a great movie. Uh, what is that movie called? What, what's that movie? Uh, uh, one Good Man. A Few no. Good Men. Huh? A Few Good Men. A Few Good Men. Yeah, that's a great movie. Even uh, though I'm not a big Tom Cruise fan. Who do you think they're referring to? Tom Cruise? Kevin Bacon? I love Kevin Bacon. Uh, not a Tom Cruise fan, but whatever. What are you going to do? Cruise, got, well, A Few Good Men. So I'm assuming that one of those three, or two of those three are good. But well, it wasn't Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jack Nicholson. What? Right, he I'm was great Jack in that. Nicholson. You can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. That was a great movie. Anyway, uh, so uh, we are coming to you live from mutinyradio.fm. I said that before, but we got distracted. You, if you want to re- call us, go ahead and give us a call at 415-550-0511. And we, uh, if you want to come down. 315-7217 is our. Okay, sure. Why not? Uh-huh. If you want to get a hold of us, uh, you can reach us at fa- on Facebook at Unleash the rain and on twitter at unleash the rain or you can email me stacy at unleash the rain.com uh, or my my fine co-host vincent and you can um email him at uh vincent, vincent at i was i know but i know i was going to tell you that those are my headsets that i gave you because i didn't know if you brought yours so just so you know those are mine they're not great so you i mean so anyway, I, I, I was just—I I was—he was—he was unplugging the headsets I plugged in for him. Once um, upon a time, I was really nice. Really hot chick, and she bought me these for. Yes, I did buy you those for Christmas. I'm not a hot chick, but I don't—I don't know. I forgot that was you. That was me. When we started the radio show, remember? I thought it was Way Pam. back when. For some reason, I thought it was Pam. It was way back when we started the radio station. It was like almost a year and a half ago. Yes. I know. Then when we started the radio station, then we hired Pam. Yes. Yeah. What do you mean? We hi- We never hired Pam. Pam hired us. Uh, Pam, I was, I was Pam trained us. <laughs> I got trained on the on the new board you know, too. You know, get, the new old board. Pam as well as I do. If you had just not said anything, she would have believed it. Oh, okay. She can't remember that far back. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I didn't hit my thing. Um, and so, if you ever want to come down and check out the space, uh, we're we're here every Tuesday from four to six p.m. Pacific, so you can listen live, um, or you can come down and visit us and bring us pie. And we're located at twenty seven eighty one twenty first Street in the Mission in San Francisco, and that's Mission in Florida, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so Unleash the Rain is really about um, helping organizations leverage technology to increase revenue and reduce expenses. And our goal is really to help people, you know, free up their time uh, so that they can focus on their passion, whether their passion is inside their business or out. And um, what what, did you, what are you looking for? My gun. Okay. I forgot my gun. Okay. You don't carry a gun. I do. I have been for the last three shows. Why? You don't carry a gun. Stop it. You're scaring me now. I had a ray gun. Okay. Oh. I could make the ray gun sound. Yes. I, so are you talking? To, so, so you have sound effects? This is great. Well, there's. Oh, geez. Okay, fine. Okay. Anyway. Uh, a kid that stole it. <laughs> so, <laughs> 
it's okay. You probably also say I have a ray gun. Pam is Pam is awesome. Station manager. Yes, yes station manager. Twice. And she has a show on Friday nights that's from eight to eleven. Eight to ten. Eight to ten. Pam comedy showcase. Uh, clubhouse. Yeah. It's a clubhouse. She recently she lost. And tonight, uh, tonight two ounces. you can. Didn't you lose two ounces yeah. when you? Of marijuana? No, no yeah, you chopped your finger off. <laughs> you chopped your finger off. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. You're up. Yeah. You're up. Yeah, I, I uh, was making chicken last night here for Joke Workshop for the comedians, and no good good deed goes unpunished, and I chopped off the top of my finger oh. with uh, poultry shears. I just oh. snipped it right off. So, Dude. yeah, I was going to go get stitches, but, like, then it was right underneath, like, I, I bite my nails, so I don't have any, if I would have, if I would have had nails, if I wouldn't have bitten my nails like a little neurotic freak, the, the scissors would have gone into the nail, and it wouldn't have been a big deal, but oh. because I don't have any nails, it just sliced, like, right in really deeply, and, uh, and I decided not to get stitches because... It's so close to where the nail is. I'm like, where are they going to hook it in? Like, where are they going to... How are they going to stitch this? So I just... They, ha- they, probably, they probably would have glued it. Oh, you yeah, skin glued I, it. I glued so it. So it's fine. Because I didn't want to go spend five hours in the... ER. ER. Probably more with for that. And yeah. Right. And if I just... I just put super glue on it, so... Cool. Did you actually use real super glue? Yeah. Just... That's what super glue was invented for in World War II. Yeah. is for... Um, that's right. Why do I go to CVS and pay three times as much for the fancy skin glue? Because it doesn't hurt as much. Oh. Because the... Um, Staples are the worst. Oh, God. They're cheaper. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Well, this was too small for staples, too. I mean, I have tiny fingers, but so just a little, uh, just a little crazy glue. It hurts like crazy, <laughs> but then it's, um, and then everything's fine. It's got, I'm going to live. That's great. I'm not going to bleed out. Well, hey, but uh, tell them where you are tonight. Uh, actually, I'm babysitting tonight. Oh, you're not doing so brainwash? Oh, no, next next Tuesday. Next, next Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, next, Tell people next, next Tuesday, Tuesday you'll be at the Brainwash Cafe. Uh, it's I the Mutiny Radio takeover. takeover of Brainwash. And so it's actually going to be a really fun showcase with, um, it's an open mic showcase sandwich. So it's open mic showcase, open mic. And it has uh, Clay Newman and Stephanie Silverman, two of my favorite comedians. And then someone else named Alex Davenport uh, all the way out of L.A. But whenever these L.A. kids come up, they always contact me and I put them on shows. So. Well, that's nice. And Brainwash is located at 1122 Folsom Street in San Francisco. Yeah, 7th and Folsom. If you get there before 7 o'clock, uh, they have cheap beers. The, and so. good food. Yeah, yeah. Really, really good, good food. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. great salads and stuff. I, I never eat salads because I like, I like fries and uh, burgers. Yeah, me too. But and laundry. And, and yeah, you can do your laundry. You, you can, can bring your laundry. laundry yeah. and you can listen to comedy. It's all in one kind and of And they have Wi-Fi, so yeah. yeah. And, and and it's a, the Mutiny Radio Takeover. Yeah, and we come like on it. out, guys, next week. Yeah, thanks, Pam. Woo! Woo, Yay! Uh, So, so, yes. No, so we, it's, you know, it's the last. Tuesday of the month. It is the last Tuesday of the month. So our topic for today is the enlightened entrepreneur. Yes. Um, which we're going to talk about uh, as soon as we get to that part of the show. So. And that's the enlightened entrepreneur is really about how to take care of yourself. So if you're running a business or starting a business or you're um, in management or you're even an employee, really, you're not really giving your best if you're not taking care of yourself. And it's one of the, th- of the pillars, I think, of um, good stewardship of your career and or your company. And I personally am very enlightened recently lost losing 95 pounds yes uh, you know in, i in need to lose weight uh-huh is that a reference to me 
If I lost you? Yeah. I tried to lose you. I tried to lose you twice today. (laughs) I ditched you in the BART station, and there you were on the train. Yes. And then I ditched you at the cafe, and then here you showed up at the radio station. Yes. Yes. Kind of. So in some ways, I'm not a puppy. In other ways, I'm a puppy. You're a puppy. Yeah. Um, Okay, so this week, I'm very... We'll talk about that today, by the way. We will. We're going to bring up an interesting uh, incident that happened today. Oh, you want to talk about that? I want to make an example. Okay. Wow, you're going to be super vulnerable. That's awesome. I'm impressed. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I will try not to be too much of a bitch about it. How are you going to do that? Nice. So I'm super excited this week. Uh, Tomorrow. Yeah, no. All right, anyway. Tomorrow. Uh, so before I get into the latest news, any news tidbits I want to bring up, uh, tomorrow I'm really excited. Um, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week, I'm going to Zoho, the corporate headquarters for Zoho. Not a good place to lose weight. Nah, not a bad place, actually, though. Mm-hmm. They actually have a lot of salads and vegetables. But anyway, can I, can I actually speak, or are you going to interrupt everything I say and talk about food? It's because we haven't eaten, and we're going to talk about that later. And that's, gonna be <laughs> that's why I'm bitchy. Yes. Um, anyway, I digress. Uh, so, um, Zoho Corporation has several different products, right? One of them is Zoho CRM that we talk about. They have a lot of sales and marketing stuff. And they also have this product called Creator. Mm-hmm. And then they, for Creator, which is Creator's an app that lets you easily build applications and not have to know code. And the scripting language that they use is a scripting language they created called Deluge. Mm-hmm. And using Deluge and Creator, you can create all kinds of of apps. So for and so they have a conference every year around uh, creator and it's called the developer conference and it is April 27th, 28th and 29th and it's being held in Pleasanton as I said. I'll go ahead and put the link to register on our website. If people want to register um uh, you can go for all three days. The first two days are a, a, a hands-on workshop where you're, we're actually going to, they're going to take people through how to create an actual application from scratch. And you can either sign up for a trial account of Creator or you can use a demo account that they're going to give people. Um, so that's 99 bucks for those two days and it's hands-on. Or you can sign up for the third day, which is basically the uh, an overview of, of Creator and the kinds of things you can do with it. So it's sort of like, here's how to do it and then here's what you what you can how you can make it fly um, so if you just want to come and get information about how you might want to use it um, I'm, I've invited some of my customers to come on the third day to just learn about creator um, so that if they want to build any custom apps of course I'm I'm a creator certified developer so um, I can build them for you or you can come all three days and learn how to build them and then learn how to make it fly C- and custom yeah. apps for apps for like I- iPhones well yeah. like you, you actually like yeah. it, it can can be it's w- you, they're web based. Um, well, there's three options. So you can create an application that can do anything like a, like a, a ten, like the one we're going to do in the workshop is actually attendee management for events. Okay. And then you can turn that into a mobile app oh, for see. tablets and, and and smartphones. And you can also, if you are some super secret company and you want to create the application and then you don't want to have it hosted on the web in the cloud for some reason, maybe it has like you know super secret stuff on it like people's financial information or whatever, sure. you can actually create an offline version and then store it on your own server, which is new last year. My question is, like, let's say I wanted to create a mutiny radio app. Mm-hmm. 
would I be able to go to this conference for $99 and do a hands-on, like, I'm going to build an app that you buy for 99 cents, and then you can stream Mutiny Radio all the time and get podcasts. And No. No. I'm going to say no, that this conference won't do that for you. So it's not like an app app. It's like uh, it's like you said, it's more website-based and like tricks, tricks on your web. Page. No, it's uh, it's it, it's middleware. So it, so there's uh, that's a term. So basically, it allows you to interface with something else. In other words, if you have, oh. uh, a, let's say, an, uh, CRM for the station, radio right. station, yeah. a, c- a customer relationship manager, and you wanted to imp- and you wanted people to be able to sign up or find out what radio shows are there, then you could create an app that interfaces with that, oh. or your accounting pro- program, for instance, or an attendance list, or okay. you know something like that. But it has it's it's you build it to interface with. With something else. See, I, I'm I I don't know a lot about technology, but whenever anybody says app, all, all I've been trained to think about is iPhones and things that you go pink and it's like, yeah. oh, it does this thing for you, and the people, because that's like people keep saying that that's how you make money is that you right. design an app, and then everybody wants to get the app, and then you make money. Um, it, it, we should talk offline. It might be, uh, it might be helpful. It might it might be an option. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. But you don't have to go. Well, no, I mean, I just, I was just curious that like that was what it was. Cause there's another Why, app. I'm a certified creator developer. Why you don't ask me? Oh, uh, uh, maybe well, I'll, there we go. maybe I'll do it in trade for my. That would, well, and this is, there's something else that's completely outside the station. I'm working with three ladies uh-huh. on creating an app that's going to make us uh-oh, uh-oh. Wait, wait, wait. Don't tell me. It's, it's Nanny Robics. No, wouldn't that be the best though? Yes. Yeah. Like a little Nanny app Robics. that said like, now push the stroller up a hill. I had a kind like that. You would flip what it over and it would be. Okay. No, stop. Um, what was, what's your, what's the so thing with the So we already have it copyrighted, so I'm not worried about saying it on your. Well, I, mean, I was just going to say, you don't have to give too much away if you don't want to, but so you already have it copyrighted. It's an app that uh, it's called uh, exchangep2p.com and it's creating global community through trade and okay. so you buy the app and then you fill out this cool profile or it eats your it eats your facebook and then tells you things Love that. and then it helps you connect with people that have the similar things so let's say that i'm a size 7 and i need to go on some job interviews and i need a silk suit from Ann Taylor and i just don't have any of those cuz i wear jeans t-shirts and leather jackets yep so what i do is i buy the app well i get i'll get it for free in the beginning well we'll be giving it away for free when we beta test but then you match with certain people and then you sort of exchange things we give them a bag that has the logo on it so that they can just ex- they know who the person is and you meet up at a place and like we're going to have bars and restaurants like sponsor and pay us so that they can be one of the specified places and then you trade your stuff so like that's really cool so maybe i have like i have all these leather jackets i don't wear anymore and maybe she has a bunch of floral print things that are appropriate for work. And we meet up and we switch our stuff. That's awesome. Right. So it's like everybody wins. And we, we're trying to, like, work out all these other things that we can put into it. But, like, you know, if you're a guy and you've just moved to San Francisco and you don't know a lot of people and you want to, like, hey, let's I'm going to meet some dude at a bar and I need ties or whatever, you know. Right. And then you now, make new friends and get cool stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, no, I just, uh, how is it different or, or I think it's different than Tradesy. I've never heard of Tradesy. Okay. Um, 
so Tradesy is uh, a website. Uh-huh. So it's not, I don't think they have an app. I'm looking at it online right now. Um, so you can sell anything from your closet. Um, so I think Tradesy is more shopping right. than trading. Although it started out trading. Right. But I think they had a hard time making money off of it trading absolutely well the thing and is how are you gonna make money it's the app so you you have three different versions of the app you can buy you can buy the 99 cent app that's 99 cents a month also they only they only tradesy is only authentic designer oh yeah this is this is like anything whatever the hell you this have. is yeah this mm-hmm. is like i have a bunch of jeans and i all I'm, i wear is designer clothes so wow well some people but they, they, when you when they take the information off of facebook there might be people that have like designer things that want to to do that and they just want to get rid of it i mean this all came from the idea that i have an entire suitcase in my closet filled with clothing that's great it's it was one time expensive and nice i just don't wear it anymore right but i don't want to give it away and i don't want to throw it away and you don't want to take it to a consignment store and i don't want to take it to a consignment store i just want to give it to someone who's my same size and maybe, and maybe get something and maybe get something cool right yeah or right i mean on. it could even be like i'm gonna bring you all these clothes and you buy me a couple of beers like that's i mean it could be anything but that's you work awesome. that on your own but the way that we make the money is by um advertising so you can buy the app for 99 cents where it has tons of advertising on it. You can buy it for $1.99, meaning that it's only certain parts of the website. If you buy the $2.99 a month package, you get like all these bells and whistles. You don't have to have any ads. You get access to everything. It's like special, but it's, but it's, it's based on the thing that you told us last week on the show, which is that the reason they put in a super size is so that people will buy the size lower. So we want them to spend $1.99. We don't want them to spend $2.99. They don't have to do that no we want to spend a dollar 99 but the people who spend 2.99 you're like right exactly and then they're stoked and and every month it just automatically comes out it's not that much money anyways we give them a little bag they get to use the service everybody's happy and then we would also as it grew when places wanted to become like a meetup a place to exchange then they would they would also get advertising. So it would be like vendors nice. would give us money for advertising. Or we would say, hey, this month's sponsored place to exchange P2P is Zeitgeist or yeah. is Town or Brainwash. And so they give us some money and then we make. So it's like there's like ads that are local ads for specific things that are more like helpful. And then there's ads that are like, you know, stamps.com or any of those. Right. Whoever guys, wants to give you money. Whoever wants to give us money when it starts growing, which w- might not have anything to do with clothing. It could even be like mod cloth or one of those things where they're, they're right. trying to sell clothing. Right. And we're which like, would make sense. Right. Sure. So that's like what I've been meeting with these ladies and we're all just like throwing all our ideas in and then working on it together. That's awesome. So that's why I was like, Ooh, application thing. Cause then yes. we could, um, well, we should talk at the break. Okay. Um, I mean, you're welcome to come to the uh, the conference. I don't know if you what you're doing. Can you get? I can pick you up from Bart. But Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah, I, Fri- I, I, Friday. I, babys- I babysit, and I've got all my shows. Friday. Stuff, but it's Friday. No. I mean, I would, okay. but I'm all right. I'm here. But just but ask thank me. You. Yeah. Just asked me. Perfect. I just all this. I, I just figured I've got to jump into it because everyone's got an app these days. Everyone's got an idea for an app, mm-hmm. and it's gets like this million dollar idea, and it's like okay. And it seems like one of those things that once you put out there, and it's it's a weird economy because it doesn't cost people that much. Right. I mean, it's what like twelve bucks a year to have the whole program, but mm-hmm. if you have, you know, 
a thousand, four thousand people spending. Well, but then you you all you you also can do like. You could do P2P in San Francisco, then you can launch it in right. like San Jose, and then Oakland and Berkeley, and then eventually like Los Angeles, and Portland, and, and Seattle, and Chicago, and, and New York. We were thinking like internationally, because wouldn't it be fun to go to Paris, because we don't have any clothes there, and they love American clothes, right? So you yeah. go to Paris with like a ton of jeans, and they're like, Levi's, Levi's, you know, or whatever, right. and then you come out with like weird Parisian clothes or from Italy or I mean I yeah. would do that I would I would travel with a whole suitcase full of stuff that I wasn't going to take home and then meet a bunch of people because then you would find out the cool things to do in Paris or whatever like you'd meet uh, exchange with someone at some cool cafe and you're like now I feel like a local so anyways that's why is that doing that no yeah. this, the computer screen right here oh that's a good question it sounds like it looks like it's cy cycling or there it is. Oh, I'm like, no, the, the computer screen in front of me just started like blinking madly. And I was like, okay, do we have a poltergeist in here? Yeah, well, I think I there is surprised. actually. There was a ghost the other night that was turning the lights on and off. And I was like, are we, uh, it was during the Fantastic show. And it, the lights are going on and off. It was when I was doing jokes about abortions. And I'm like, is my dead baby in the room right now? <laughs> like, is that, what, is that what's happening? Like, and it's turning the lights on and off because it doesn't like the abortion joke? <laughs> That, I didn't. I didn't know. I got. I got some laughs out of it. But then the lights yes. flickering on and off. You and might want like, to work oh. that into your show now. Yeah. You might want to somebody surreptitiously like or figure Turn out a way to. You know. Yeah, to, it might have been remote. that. It might have been someone in the corner just leaning up against the light thing. Yeah. We, who knows? Hey. So knows. while I have you. Yeah. Um. So I, we'll talk about the app thing offline. Yeah. Uh. And we'll get back to the creator conference in a minute. But what um, what are these posters? What's the current so, art exhibit that's up right, right now? This is the new art exhibit. My friend uh, Jimmy gave me all of this art from this uh, artist who he's like, he's a famous artist, but I don't remember his name. But he gave me all of this art, and it's really neat because he took these pictures of uh, straight people and trans people, but a lot of trans people, uh, and he sewed them all together. So it's all of these different pictures that he printed out on different colored things, and then they're actually sewn together on the on the underside of it. And it's like it's supposed to be this quilt kind of of what makes up San Francisco, and. Uh, oh really? Yeah, it's like this huge, and they're not all supposed to be like together. In, I mean, I think that's the way they originally put it, is that they were all super close and next to each other, so it looked like this one big quilt. Oh, but um, gotcha. I kind of like them as their own, you know, individual things. And yeah, I'm going to find out the artist's name next time I see Jimmy. Um, okay. But I know the ones that I put down beneath are really cool down here, too. Yeah. And there's only one that's like really super provocative that you guys will like for the regarding sex show on Wednesdays and uh, it's in the corner by the door oh am I not supposed to say that's that that's okay that's fine okay we'll check that out okay but it's you'll check yeah check the one out by the door and see if you know what it is because Roman Reimer of uh, weekly review I showed him the poster and I'm like I'm worried about putting this one up and he's like well, what is it and I was like look a little closer and then I told him what it was and he said oh I usually look out for stuff like that and I didn't even see it so it made me feel room. made me feel better about uh what I put up on the wall so no one can tell what it is so it's okay that's awesome yeah but uh so yeah the new art thing is really fun my favorite one is that weird speed one in the corner with the sort of uh yeah I dig that one I was like what is happening here uh, I, like, I like the one with the uh, horses on it 
The horses? Yeah. What are you talking about? Oh, no, that, oh, that's, that's, yeah. That's we like were, a circa 1972 burnout on wood shellacked. Yeah. Something. I was gonna, I was gonna mess with it and put some, uh, bizarre things in it and like decoupage it on top but i just haven't found the time yet yeah but that was a in gift spare time in my spare time that was a gift from ethan albers comedian ethan albers he thought it would be cute for us to have uh the old school horses on the wall it is very cute it yeah, is, yeah. So, i like it and it says on it ten thousand dollars or best offer yes that's the price <laughs> or best offer or best being the offer. Key part of that phrase right so <laughs> if someone wants to offer us 250 for it i, I probably won't say no <laughs> Well, but we need a new computer. So maybe Absolutely. if somebody wants to offer us, what's the price of a new Mac that we need? Oh, geez. I'm going to, I'm going to guess. Cause I don't understand anything and say $800. I think maybe more like 1200, more like 1200. Wait, wait, wait. Are you going to get something like this? We're going to get this computer Actually, here. This, this particular yeah. Mac is from, I think circa 2000. So anything we get is going to be better than this. Oh. We can't even update the software, the flash on it to make it play YouTube anymore like it's that old it won't take new updates it just doesn't have the it's like windows 6 or something it's really well, i don't even know what it's it is Mac. macs don't oh, have windows yeah. no it's not windows so but it's old it's an old old operating system and we just need a new one so i and, mean uh, to get something to replace it you're actually right uh if you don't have to buy the monitor the keyboard you can get a mac for about 500 bucks okay cool a little small one but like that one over there uh, no, that not the one on the bottom, but the one it's underneath the, it's up on top of the CD player. That's the whole computer. Yes, like that. that yeah, that one is about five hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, and that's funny because that's a computer. Yeah. I I don't know. I I'm so wowed by technology and what's been happening so fast, and that anything from even two thousand six at this point is completely obsolete. My computer that I bought in twenty twelve that I thought was great, my laptop is now just seems like stupid. But I guess that's six years or five years, four years ago. So yeah, that's super old in, in technology. In technology terms, terms. Mm -hmm. when do people when they if you have an actual well, business, well, you got to be careful there though. We've had the conversation. Yes, we have. Solar energy has essentially been the same thing since 1875. Sure. No, seriously, because solar panels have been around since 1875. It's, we just haven't done anything with it. It's like tubes underneath reflective stuff that makes the water get hot. Right? That's like. No, they actually. You, have you ever seen them, uh, like at the science show, where they have those little spinny things? You put them outside and they spin really fast. That's essentially what a, a, uh, uh, you know, a, a solar panel um, is. It, what differs now is they can now make. It's more. They're more efficient. Right. But that's only recent. Yeah, with all the new co companies that are like even, and they're making so much money that they in Utah they bought the stadium Vivint. Vivint, Vivint yeah. is the new one of the new big um, solar things, and it's somehow you can have them installed for like, or you get when you get them installed, you get all the money back from the government or something. I don't yes, understand, yeah. but and you can even put back into the grip. But this Vivint Solar is making so much money that they bought. The state, they're the Vivint Stadium in uh, Salt Lake City. I did not know that. I didn't know they bought that stadium. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. It used to be um, overstock.com, mm -hmm. and that's now it's thought, yeah. Vivint. Well, overstock's kind of. Right. They've yeah. fallen by the. Wow. And that's crazy to me, too. The, the way that things that were once so big are not. Dropbox is dying. Yeah. Dropbox is dying, really. Really? 
What about no. Zenga? When Zenga came out, I was like, what is this stupid Farmville? And then they made all those games, and now I heard that, like, oh, they're, yeah, they're, they're having they're trouble. The they, are. they can't afford the city. Anymore. Yeah, they're giving up all their space, in, or most of their space in San Francisco. And, you and know, yeah. the thing about that is I had a friend who started working for them, like, six years ago as a temp, yeah. and he stopped working for them a year ago, and he cashed out all his stock. Smart. And he moved to, like, Sweden or something. Uh, but he made, like, millions of dollars. So they, they gave their employees. He started working for them as a temp, and right. then he ended up becoming, like, a big guy with them. And they were paying him, like, you know, I don't know, $200,000 a year, and with all these stock options. And he didn't have to work that hard. And every Friday they gave him beer and all that stuff. And then he sold all his stock and moved out of the country. So... Smart guy. I know, super smart. He's like, laughing all the way to the Swedish bank. Uh, and the funny thing was, he and I used to be really good friends, and we would go to, I would even have to buy his dollar tacos at El Toro on 17th <laughs> and Valencia. Like, he was so poor, he would borrow money from me, and he was so, so poor, and now he's, like, super rich, and I'm like, where are the kickbacks, bro? There are yeah. no kickbacks. When your friends become rich, there are no, no. they don't turn back. They don't, no. like, oh, remember that girl who used to buy me tacos? Tacos? No. Nah. I should I should probably take her out for a meal or something. Yeah, that doesn't nah, that doesn't happen with the that? rich people. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you guys can somehow explain how why everything why does it all become obsolete so quickly? Is it because you can make more money on the new products and they're hoping that you just trash your old products and buy the new ones, or is it that it really is an upgrade that's so significant that you really need it? They, uh, well, in terms of computers, it, uh, Moore's law it indicates that you double your trend, your speeds every two to three years. Now, oh. that's not that's <laughs> not the. Uh, I I just got uh, I just got somebody who uh, is obviously listening to the show, which yes. cracks me up that she's listening. Yes. And she said Zenga will always have words with friends. Always, it has to. <laughs> it's a friend of mine who's addicted to words with friends. So that's so funny. Why didn't Scrabble nice just make their own? Nice to hear from you, my friend, Liz. Yes. Why didn't yes. Scrabble just make their own app? Um, words with friends a little different than Scrabble, though. I don't. I don't. I think Scrabble's owned by a bigger game company oh, yeah. that makes a bunch like of board Milton games, and, yeah. and they're like, you're like, yeah. yeah, no, you have to play it. You know, they're like, not create. They didn't create an app. It didn't create an app, and yeah. now Words with Friends exists, and there, it's a total ripoff of Scrabble. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's how we make money. So I used to be addicted to Words with Friends, but it transitions out, and but uh, you know who knows? Uh, last I went to the last Zoho comp conference, the last one I went. I, one of the presenters actually pointed out that for some reason, part of it is just because the technology moves forward, but part of it is just people want it. Like oh. people will line up the night before and cry when they get in the door at the Apple store to get the newest Apple thing. I don't understand it. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, you're wearing the Apple watch, aren't you? No. No. Oh, no. Okay. Heck it no. just, it looks like you have an iPod on your wrist. No, it's, this is a phone. It's a phone. Yeah, the Apple Watch is a Bluetooth device. Oh. That's, that's it's, you know, it's, it's of course, $7,500, but it's Is really that how expensive it is? For the gold one, yeah. Wow. But it's basically a Bluetooth headset. Wow. Yeah, this is actually a phone. But what I've discovered is you can't use Dick Tracy comments about it. Because <laughs> people just look at you and say... Do you even understand the reference? Yes, of course. Dick Tracy had okay. a he had a phone on his wrist. I'm that just saying. Big. I'm saying there's a, it's yeah. an age thing. No, no, yeah. no. I'm an old lady. It's fine. I remember. Yeah. I remember Dick Tracy well, before they redid it. Yeah, yeah. You already before out of before they redid it with the um 
Warren Beatty and Madonna yeah. before it was that movie. Well, it, it was even actually mentioning Warren Beatty means you're old. <laughs> and Madonna, really? Yeah, we, honestly, yeah, yeah, really, yeah, she Madonna was a terrible too. actress in that too. They yeah. shouldn't have let her act in the '80s. I mean, I don't know why they put her in Evita in the early '90s. I mean, she can sing, but she can't act her way out of a wet paper bag with both ends cut off. <laughs> Seriously, like even desperately seeking yeah, Susan, yeah, it was I mean, like desperately seeking actors. Like you, <laughs> Patricia Arquette was like a, a goddess in that movie compared to Madonna. I'm, I'm. That may have been what started her career. It was like she's really good. Yeah, uh, compared <laughs> to Madonna, it's not tough. That's John Cusack too. Who's uh, oh, I love John Cusack. Well, they're brother and sister. Jonah John, yeah, I like yep. both of them. Yeah. Me too. I love them. Yeah, good so. stuff. Um. So sorry, I derailed you guys completely. No, 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 it's oh. totally fine. Um, <laughs> well, we missed our musical break, but you know that's all right. We we we'll get there. But uh, but our our mystery listener also informed me that um, she's she's helping us segue into our next segment, which is news of the day. Okay. Which is that Apple actually just reported for the first time that they lost money based on their phones this quarter. Oh. Apple lost money for the first time, like mm-hmm. ever since 1980 or whenever ever. they started. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. No, they lost money before, but for the first not time. Not on the well, phones. Not on the phones. On not the on the phones. phones. Okay, on the phones. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah, no, they lost money. Apple's lost money before. Yes, not on their phones. Big though. time lost money. So you're talking about how people lined up for it. Yes. You know, and then, you know, maybe not so much anymore. No. Wow. Well, every, I mean, how good does your phone how if you have an iPhone 6 why would you need an iPhone 7 you know like they're so close maybe if you had an iPhone 4 you'd be like all right it's time to trade it in or I mean I don't have a smartphone at all so I've been told that if I don't get a smartphone the world is just gonna leave me behind it, it is because dust. okay first Pam, of all if you talk into wait. a phone and you have a smart mouth like you do Hold the phone yeah <laughs> You are going to need a smartphone in order to use your own app that you're going to create for P2P. That's absolutely true. We were talking about absolutely that. Absolutely true. Oh, absolutely you. true. Absolutely yeah, true. we're going to have to. <laughs> it, is, it is putterific in here. I'm going to have to get um, a smartphone. It's true. I just, I honestly believe that um, iPhones, that touchscreen technology contains uh, the dead souls of Chinese babies. Like, that's how, <laughs> that's how touchscreen technology works, is that it's the souls of dead Chinese babies that are living in your phone, and then you touch it, and they move things around like magic. Would they be aborted babies? Uh, well, no. maybe. I don't know. I've heard that the Chinese now are throwing their babies off of iPhone buildings. Like, they're just, they can't even well, do it you anymore. Can have, you can only have one child in China. No, I think they, they lifted that ban, actually, and um, that was the interesting thing is when they lifted the ban to say that you can have more than one kid the problem was that ever since they put the ban on it there are like maybe a million two million people that were a second child but they never got recognized by the government and so they have no paperwork right they have no they have they don't exist basically there's like two million chinese people that were the second child that just don't exist and they can't it's like hard for them to get jobs because they can't, they can't do anything really because they're not actual people because they weren't supposed to exist they're not actual people just because they don't have cards they're not actual well they people. don't they, they can't they don't have they don't have like a they don't so have you, a birth you, certificate they don't have yeah, cuz they were oh, secret can I become one of those chinese babies i want to i want to not exist okay. it's the, it just so don't exist they you can you can now have Two kids. Two kids. They two didn't kids. like say you can have as many kids as you want. So right. Cath- Catholics not flocking. Catholics and Mormons no. not flocking to China. No. But you may have two kids, not one. But that's and that's the thing. Now I guess if you have a third, they do you know why they invisible. did it? Why do they do it? 
I heard that they because they put a one child ban on now that the population in China is primarily men. So it's like 70% men and 30% women and mm -hmm. that's why uh -huh. the sex trade was getting so big. They were sending over little people um, from like Indonesia and other countries to be sex slaves because there are so many uh, horny men and there aren't enough women in their own population. Right. And so they're saying, oh, I have some baby girls. Duh. What? But what the... But what the Another pun, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but what the government said was it was not to address the sex discrepancy because they've never wanted to admit that people got rid of their baby girls. That they drowned their baby girls in the chamber. Or had... Yeah. yeah. Um, and what they said instead was that it was because they... Uh, because of the aging population. Oh. Which is not true. No. It's just smoke and mirrors of the Communist no, Party saying, oh, it's just because we're getting old. It's like, well, not really. You have more people on the planet than anyone. Um, and yeah. most of and them are men. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, every, but everybody else is like, it's because of the sex discrepancies and the sex trade. And But it's not going to, the two-child policy is not going to get rid of the sec, the problem with female babies. No, it's... Because it every family's going to want a boy and a girl. Right, boy first. So yeah, they're gonna not take any chances. Right. They're gonna still do all the horrible things. And as medical technology advances, now they're gonna they're you can sex your baby in <gasps> utero. Right. And abort it. Wow. That's see, that's why they when that and that all works out in uh, in I, in Apple's favor for the iPhones, so yeah. that they can right. use the dead babies to f you know forward the touchscreen technology. You crack me up. I I on okay I don't honestly believe that. I mean I'm not that crazy. No, but no. it is but it is funny. a funny joke and it does bring up some of the issues that happen yeah. in China with like you know I don't know human rights violations you know drowning what's, baby uh, girls what's the, whatever. Uh, what, how many what's the uh, kid restriction in San Francisco? You oh, must have a kid restriction, right? Because there's no kids here. There's tons kids. of kids here. There are tons I, of thought, eight, I thought the, most of the people, most okay. of the kids you babysit are like 21, 22, right? <laughs> yeah. They're, they're called comedians. Yeah, they're called comedians. Um, yeah. No, th uh, there are a lot of kids here, but you don't see them because they're really rich. And right. so we hang out in the mission where now there are kids here. We see there are, there's lots of kids. Um, they're at the park with their nannies right now. Well, right. here's the difference. What's the difference between a mommy and a nanny? I, I give up. Uh, th there isn't one. They're both on their cell phone the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> even the dogs have cell phones in the park. I don't even know what's happening. Like even the, the one 10 year old, I'm going to hang out with some kids at, at a uh, five o'clock here up the street. Mm -hmm. And one of them is 10 years old and she has an iPhone better than me. Well, I don't have an iPhone, but she has a great phone. And I'm like, what do you need this for? And she says, well, I text my friends. I'm like you're 10. What could you possibly text mm -hmm. friends? And she's like, well, emojis. And I'm like, what, which, what emojis do you send them? She's like, hearts, smiley faces, I don't know, eggplants. I'm like, what is even, what does that mean? Why would you send someone an eggplant? What does that mean? <laughs> I don't even. It's, it's obviously it's a funny. girlfriend. Egg, eggplants are funny. I, I get I it. Yes. Mm -hmm. I, but I think that uh, small children should not be uh, texting. Well, what age do you think it's appropriate for children to have uh, 
a, a cell phone. I think this that is it's a great question. I actually. think it's appropriate for a seven-year-old to have a cell phone, but it should only have two numbers on it. It should have like nine one one, mom and dad, and that's it. So if some and that, maybe the that, school. That, so you're going to force these kids to to speak to their parents. What do their parents do to deserve that? Uh, I'm going to force them. Well, the thing is, the the point is that young children, if they have a phone, yes. it should only be for emergencies because. Who else are they going to talk to? Like, you should be able to talk to the police if it's stranger danger. You should be able to talk to, like, the fire department if you burn your house down. No. Are you high? Just tell me where I can find a tomato like that. What a tomato. Is this a metaphor? What a tomato produce company in San Francisco. For all your wholesale produce needs, 2055 Jared Avenue. Hope your legs are looking sexy, because we're going to charm your pants off. Come to the Charm Offensive Comedy Show at Punchline San Francisco. It's a night of great jokes, magnetic personalities, featuring the Bay Area's most awarded comedians, plus national headliners. You'll laugh. You'll swoon. And when you regain your composure, you'll swipe right. Tuesday, March 7th. Doors at 7, show at 7.30 at 444 Battery Street in San Francisco's Financial District. Brought to you by Paco Romaine and Destiny's Mom's Comedy. Our last show sold out, so get your tickets now at punchlinecomedyclub.com. Charm Offensive at Punchline Comedy San Francisco. Tuesday, March 7th. for Dan everybody give it up for Dan come to the microphone Dan looking as depressed as normal so healthy um, I'm only gonna be here for a quick minute uh, Arden's gonna take over the second half because I gotta go deal with my woman let's not dig into that I'm on break. yeah no she she hates me uh, I'm just uh, I start, I'm starting a new job tomorrow as a new private investigator firm and uh, yay yay for me it'll be um it'll be fun oh sorry that's right in your face uh, because y I'm gonna be all over California like week to week so I'm going to go to Santa Ana next week follow someone I'm gonna go to Reading the next week follow someone so I'm wondering if there's a way I can like insert comedy into that lifestyle you know that would be fun get into all the different i guess it would just be open mics at this point but um yeah so it's it's gonna be good it's i like being a private investigator because it's the only job that attractive people are objectively worse at who's this attractive person following me anyway i'm anxious to get out of here so uh adam you're up Thank you for that enthusiastic introduction and blessings on your getting out of here. Hey, everybody. Uh, so, you know, I've been thinking about relationships lately quite a bit. Um, you know, we all want to meet someone or have someone and 
to me, it comes down to it being a question of holes. No, not, not like that, dirty minds. Uh, just like that, that hole in our soul from being a human being with a body of discontent that we want to like cram another person into. We want to meet someone and say, get in my holes. Get in my hole. I need something in my hole. Okay, that does sound more like the first thing, I admit it. Um, but we, we all have like, we have this giant thing that we're walking around being a human and being like, I'm not happy because I have this hole. And, you know, ultimately we try to fill it with donuts. Every single person has tried to fill their hole with donuts and then discovered that donuts have holes. So it doesn't work out. Um. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Jewish. I'm a terrible Jew though. Like, um. The extent of being Jewish for me pretty much means, like once or twice a year, I'll get together with other Jews, and we'll we'll have a very nice dinner, and we will ponder age-old questions like, when did Hanukkah start? Um, yeah, but it, basically, I'm white. Like being Jewish at this point for me in America means being white. Although with the recent white supremacist protests, I might be just Jewish enough for those guys. I don't know. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, being white is, it's conflicting to me. Like, I, don't get me wrong, it's awesome. Like, being white, if, if you're struggling at something and you haven't added being white to it yet, that's definitely your first point on the troubleshooting chart. Like, is this going wrong because I'm not white? Let me try being white. 80% of your things will get better immediately. Um, but, like, it's come to my attention that white people are kind of, We've done some shitty stuff, and um, and so like I, for me, it just gets in the way. Like when I talk to someone who's not white, I see them as people, I see them as equal, but in the back of my mind, it's like, oh my god, you are carrying such a larger burden than me. How can I relate to you as a human? So I've tried lately. I've just been trying to think. Okay, I'm Jewish. We've been through some stuff. I'm not trying to be to be a person of color or brown, but can I just be like off white? can just be like a cream or an eggshell. Um, so I did that for a while, and then that went sideways because I became an off-white supremacist. I don't hate, you know, people of color. I just hate the pure white people. You guys know who I'm talking about. The fucking Dutch, right? I mean, I want to tell them to go back to, and I can't even tell them where to go back to because they're too fancy to name themselves after a country. It's the Netherlands or Holland, but there's no, like, Dutch place so it's like, go back to Europe with your weird pickles and your flurgen talk, you fucking Dutch mother... Yeah. Speaking of holes, at some point, you just gotta face yours, and, like, that might look like a breakup. And that's like, um, you know, you really fall in love with someone. Like, you know you're in love with someone when the farts are funny? I think I may have just blown the punchline. Anyway, there's a fart punchline coming. Let me just telegraph that. Uh, so, <laughs> you know you're in love with someone... Uh, like I woke up at, at like three in the morning and I thought my wife was having a nightmare and I was, honey, you're having a nightmare. I heard you screaming. And she looked at me and went, no, I farted, went back to sleep. It's like, it's adorable. And then, uh, you know, when a relationship like that ends, I, it's kind of a hard time. And those kind of times are, they're almost like drug experiences. Like you, uh, you wind up losing time and just kind of coming to in random places. Like I came to the other day and I was staring at a giant jar of pretzels. And I realized I was in Costco and I was way too high. 
just staring at this giant jar of pretzels, just going, how are there so many pretzels on Earth? Those pretzels could feed a village in Africa. Is it racist of me to make this about Africa? That's okay, I'm off-white. I'll take five pretzels. And then this five-year-old went, this is Costco, there's no one here to help you. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I'm 39 years old. It means I grew up in the 80s. Um, I grew up playing, yes, thank you, thank you, 80s people. 80s people! Uh, I grew up playing uh, Super Mario Brothers. And uh, I'm confused now, because they just released the Mario Brothers for, for the iPhone. But I've gone from the 8-bit Mario I grew up with to this perfectly rendered Mario where the graphics are so good, all I can do is stare at his ass. It's not even like a sexual thing. It's just adorable. Um, another thing I grew up on was Revenge of the Nerds, which is great. And I was really thrilled with the, uh, the reboot they did recently. It kind of went by me for a second, then I realized it was all over the internet. It's called Google. Um, the nerds have won, and, and I've kind of given it. Like, at 39, you have to stop trying to be cool or not a nerd, you know, doing that thing. I used to walk around with pants that had so many zippers that were not necessary. It was like I was telegraphing to the world, there are so many people trying to get into my pants that I need decoys, ladies. <laughs> Did you just make a frog sound? <laughs> um, yeah, what else am I going to talk about? Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. um, I think that's about all I got tonight. You guys have been wonderful. Give it up for your host. <laughs> all right, let's hear it for Adam Garden. <laughs> Next up, Seriously, the one and only. There is no other comedian in the Bay Area named Sabrina Miller. <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig deep a little bit. I'm gonna talk about my childhood. I uh, I actually I spent about four years in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Um, if you're not familiar with the city, which you probably aren't, um, you don't just end up there, right? Uh, y you end up there for a few reasons. Um, number one, your car breaks down on the way to Myrtle Beach for spring break. <laughs> That's one reason. Uh, another reason is for, um, is for like EOD training, the explosive ordnance disposal. And that's why, you know, my dad dragged my mom, my sister, and me there. Because there's no other reason to go to a place like that, that's smack dab in the middle of the dismal swamp, where you can smell it before you see it. You can smell it. I can't even imagine getting nostalgic for that. And, and that, is its you know, that is not its least attractive attribute, believe it or not. It goes downhill. <laughs> this godforsaken place didn't even have a bookstore. Not a bookstore! Yeah. So w when a young guy you know, said to you that he read Playboy for the articles, you kind of had to give him the benefit of the doubt. It's really a sad town. Some 16-year-old some kid, he's like, He's like, God damn it, I'm so sick of jerking off to Miss, uh, Miss September. Fuck. He's like, you know what, I'm not even into it, fuck it. Let, let's just read it for the articles here. Let's see what's going on here. Oh, what's, what's going on with Reagan and Iran-Contra? Hmm, interesting little editorial. Also, the only part left to read because the pages weren't stuck together. 
<laughs> what can I say? We weren't even good enough for Dairy Queen uh, back in the, in, in the EC. Not even good enough. Uh, executives were scouting new locations. They were just driving down 95, and they're like, oh, what's this place? And they're like, no, no thank you. We do not want our name, our reputable, reputable business sullied by this town. No, do not want our reputation sullied. God damn it. I realized I just wasted two fucking minutes when I could have just used the tagline, Elizabeth City, one of the few towns in America where an F3 tornado can only do a million dollars worth of improvement. <laughs> all right, so, uh, and for, for all of us California folks, here's a, here's a better, better way to put it. If you took a newlywed couple who had lived in Elizabeth City most of their lives, God help them, and you, uh, let's call them Bob, Bob and Arlene, uh, let's say you, uh, you pumped Bob and Arlene full of sedatives, you blindfolded them, you flew them across the country and dumped them off in Modesto. When they came to, on a spring morning, it would, it would kind of be like that scene in Field of Dreams. That's how I imagine it would be. Like Arlene would look at Bob and be like, is this heaven? And then <laughs> some local would be riding by on his bike, you know, and be like, God, no, dumbass. What the fuck is wrong with you? It's Modesto. And then he finds out they're from Elizabeth City, he Googles it, and he's like, he feels so bad for them. He's like, I'm so fucking sorry. You had to live in that hick town where the biggest social event of the month was going to a pig picking. He's like, hey, y'all, you want to go to a pig picking? It's like, well, there's no bookstore, there's no, there's, a, there's no multiplex. Well, I guess so. That's where we're going on Saturday. I actually went to a pig, pig picking. I am not proud to admit that. I, uh, I was a southerner for a while. It, it, took a, it took a while to get rid of the accent. Just, I, never, I, I never, I always suppress my accent, accent out here. I don't, I don't want to get judged by people. By you enlightened San Franciscans. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can only be so PC and like, you know, accepting and progressive. <laughs> but if you show up with a, if you show up talking about a pig picking in a southern accent, and being all nostalgic about it, just forget it. The, the only thing wor worth, no, not worse. Okay, the only thing harder than growing up in Elizabeth City in the late 80s was being transgender in the late 80s in Elizabeth City in the South, right? Um, and um, like I said, th there was no bookstore. There's no way I could have gone to the biography section and stumbled on a biography of uh, Christine Jorgensen, so. You know, I, th I thought it was the only one. The, the only transitioning I knew about was from, you know, uh, I would say uh, rotary phone to push button. Yes, I am old enough to have a callus on my index finger to prove I have to, had to dial that fucker. Uh, the other transitioning I knew about was from Catholic to Jew. The <laughs> reason I knew this is because we didn't even have a Jewish family in our town, Ian. Uh, someone actually had... I, I don't know. I thought you were Jewish. I don't know, I just thought maybe you could relate. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I feel horrible. I don't, Jesus Christ. Everybody, everybody, we did not even have a Jewish family in our town. Someone actually had to convert, so we would have some diversity in that fucking place. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, fast forwarding more years than I'd care to admit, I, uh, I, I actually, I moved out from the East Coast to San Francisco for a fresh start. Uh, came out a couple Januarys ago after coming out. And 
a funny thing is I never really knew how much guys thought about sex until after I stopped trying to be one and after I came out here. San Francisco guys are, they're like way more aggressive than, um, than the way they are in the, in the small town where I came from. I, I wasn't even here three days before I got my ass grabbed at a bus stop. And I was like, excuse me? And he was like, that was the first time I'd ever done that. Been like, you like use the hand, swear to God. And it was a very eventful first 12 days. And uh, I've actually been kind of writing a song about it, like my 12 days in SF. I, I haven't, you know, I haven't written all the verses, but here's what I got so far. So, on my third day in SF, the creepers gave to me three boob grazes, two ass grabs, and a damn girl, you're really tall. <laughs> I should say, damn girl, you're really tall. Yay, for me. Um, also, I want to talk about. So, I, I, am, I am at that age. <laughs> where I just feel this need, I don't know why, just this need to, to reconnect with, uh, with classmates from my graduating class from high school. So I was at Phil's coffee shop, I wanna say uh, it was last week, and just sipping on my Silk and Splendor, and you know, just uh, you know, on the internet, just uh, going to all these websites, stumbled upon classmates.com, so I click on that. I find 62 of my classmates using the classmate finder. And so I'm just like, I'm scrolling through the list, I'm like, oh, okay. It's like, uh, don't remember him, don't know her, she was a fucking bitch, fuck her. It's like, oh, there's Andrew, I, I remember him. I, for some reason, we, we weren't really friends, but we were acquaintances, and I was like, he was always so nice, and, like, and really shy, too. Like, I, w I wonder what happened to him. I, I wonder what he has done with his life. So, I, uh, there's, like, the little bio on there, so I, 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 uh, I clicked on more to read more of it, and that was redundant, so, <laughs> so I'm reading it, and it starts out, she is from Minnesota, and <laughs> uh, she, uh, she's widowed, and uh, she now works for the Navy. And I'm like, what the fuck? Is I'm like, is this a typo? This has got to be a typo. And then I, uh, I, I'm like enlarging the, uh, the profile picture. I'm like, holy shit. And it was like, that was Andrew, like only, only completely transitioned. I'm like, I'm like, this is amazing. Like, what are the chances? What are the chances that like I wasn't the only one who transitioned from male to female in my class. I mean, what are the chances? And there it was. And, and you know the crazy thing is my uh, my uh, my birth name. The, yeah, the name that, that 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 was given to me at birth was was Andrew. You can't make this shit up. <laughs> I am not making this up. It blew me away. And like I I, I remember thinking I, I was in tears. I was so happy for her that. You know, she was living a genuine life, and you know, she was just really just living living life like she was meant to. And I think I can't wait to go to go to, go to our 20th high school reunion uh, next year. And like, we're going to share our stories. We're going to share our stories of pain and triumph. You know, uh, you know all that stuff. Just uh, just all the joy we're now experiencing. But but not the award for most change. God damn it, we're not sharing that one. That's mine. Yeah, I earned that shit, universe. That's, that's my compensation. I, I don't know, it might get like Tranny Highlander or something, because there can only be one, and it's going to be Sabrina. All right, my name is Sabrina Miller. You, you have been listening to my Transtastic set. I'm going to turn it back over to your host, Dan Shively. All right, let's hear it one more time for Sabrina. Chris! Never know what you're gonna do. 
It's Chris. Can't say the last name, just avoid it completely, right? That's, that's the goal. Uh, I was going to do impressions. How fun is that? Is that a fun idea for everybody here? Oh my god, impressions. What is it, the 80s? <gasps> Here's my impression of a racist. Uh, I'm not racist, but... <laughs> It's gonna get better. Here's my impression of Michael Jackson. That's it. He's dead as fuck. He's not saying e he anymore. Okay, that's the impression. Here's my impression of Wolverine, the superhero, fisting a guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's so funny in my head, man. I don't know. Dark shit happens in my head. Oh, <laughs> uh, what else do I want to... I coach youth soccer, <laughs> believe it or not. I coach kids. The person who came up with the Wolverine joke helps kids <laughs> learn soccer. <laughs> wow, one of them is... Um, I coach youth soccer, and people assume that the hardest part about coaching kids is, is handling kids, but it's not true. I'm American. The hardest part about coaching soccer is liking soccer, you know? <laughs> It's a very hard sport to like when you're American because it's hard to like a sport that you're not good at. I think Americans are good at soccer because we don't have any good dances down here, you know? Because there's no, you have to have, to have good footwork, you have to have good dances. You go anywhere else, they have tango, merengue, river dancing. Here, all we have is square dancing, which is just walking around in a square rhythmically like a stupid ass crab. Of course we suck at soccer, but you know what we're good at? We're good at baseball, because baseball is basically just square dancing, except they tilted the square a little bit and call it a diamond. That's all it is. You know? Of course Americans are good at the one sport where you can have a beer belly and be successful at it. That, that is what it is. Maybe I should do another impression. Uh, here's my impression of Netflix. Stop fucking in front of me. Is that good? I don't know. Does anybody really fuck while watching Netflix? Aren't the shows too good to, <laughs> right? Like, what, what, why would you, you're paying for the member, unless you're, yeah, that's true. I leech off people. Um, did I have any more fun impressions? <laughs> These are stupid as hell. Here's my impression of a training bra. Come on, ladies, come on, get to work, let's go. If you want to survive in this, fuck, what's the name? What's the name of the society? Patriarchal Society, get fucking bigger. All right, there it is. I don't know. Patriarchal Society. Of course, the male forgets that it's called a patriarchal society because I benefit from it, so I have no reason to know that it's a patriarchy. That's some heady shit. I do coach kids, gonna go back to that. Uh, I don't like kids either. I used to go on a rant about kids. I used to call them <laughs> vaginal scum. People didn't like that because I don't have kids. And you know, when you don't have kids, there's no reason to talk about kids. But I have written poems, and I feel like writing poetry is a lot like having kids, you know? Because you're the only one that really has any appreciation for them. You're kind of embarrassed that you created them. And you know, you know one of them might change the world, but for the most part, if one never happened, if a few never happened, the world would be just fine. A few aborted poems will be good, It'll be fine. Speaking of abortion, that's a good way to start a sentence. Speaking of abortion, another dude has an opinion on it. Uh -huh. 
I don't have an opinion on it. I just, here's what happened. Because my mom, she was pregnant with me at 17. And when she told uh, my grandpa that he was going to become a grandpa, he offered to pay for my abortion. Which, and people think that's not a good thing, but I kind of love him for that, like a lot. Because I think he was just looking out for my mom, you know? Because he's like, listen, that kid, I can just tell, he's going to go through some suicidal bullshit. Just don't pay for the pills or therapy. Put the hanger in there now. Save you some money. Come on now. <laughs> the guy that came up with the Wolverine joke. That's how I think, okay? Um, yeah, but he's a good guy. I wasn't aborted, hence existing, but I don't think I would have mind having had been aborted. Does that make sense? Does that make... Because, you know, no taxes, no no fear of fading into obscurity. I'm surprised fetuses aren't aren't protesting for their own abortion right now, you know? Just like their little hands stick out of their mom's belly. Abort me. Don't birth me. Hashtag I don't want to breathe. Fetus lives don't matter. How's that? <laughs> That's just a fun, just a little bloody hand sticking out of a belly button. All right. Uh, I want to try. I watched The Shining recently. I think that explains a lot of what why this is happening. I watched The Shining. Here's the thing that happened. Because if you know The Shining, it's Jack Nicholson. He takes his family up to a cabin in the woods because he wanted to have some peace and quiet up there, but his family wouldn't shut up. So he started like trying to kill them, which is horrible, but I was watching the movie and I was like, dude, I get it, you know? Family can be a bit much sometimes. I go home for the holidays, I hear one Christmas carol, I'm like, somebody get me a fucking axe, please. Not to kill them, I don't wanna kill them. Cause, the only th cause you kill somebody, they become ghosts, they haunt you and shit. The, the only thing worse than hearing them say, Chris, your disappointment is if they drag it out, Chris, your disappointment. I don't want that, I just wanna scare them. Swing it around a little bit, scare them away. That's all I want. <laughs> it's not a good day when you can relate to The Shining. I'll do one more thing. I do like horror movies. Uh, my favorite, w not my favorite one. My favorite one recently is Get Out. But I, I have no reason to say that. It's not part of the joke. <laughs> but here's the thing. Horror, horror movies, they can, I like them, but they can be a little too unrealistic sometimes. Like, real Texas is way scarier than Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Texas. You know what I mean? So much, like, Leatherhead is like an angel compared to an N-word using redneck. Because <laughs> Leatherhead will eat your body, but the redneck will eat your rights. And that's not what we want from us. Okay, that's it for me. Thank you all for your time. Okay, next up we have... Uh, a very special guest today. He's a he's a master of roller skating. It's Matthew Quirk. I have mastered many things in my lifetime. Uh, by the way, I got a career solution for you that you can like you know uh, comedians with criminals in cars. I think you got a podcast coming, Dan. I think you could rock that. Uh, so anyway, <clears throat> oh God, what was I going to talk about up here today? So uh, how about Trump dropping the uh, mother of all penis envy on that poor Bernie man camp out in Afghanistan? Man, nothing small hands about that, right? Anyway, no sparkle ponies or unicorns were injured in that bombing. Don't be alarmed. So anyway, 
It just reminds me of like, you know, I don't know if you saw those photos of him with that truck. He was playing vroom vroom in the truck, right? Like they managed to wrestle the nukes out of his hands, so he blew up the next biggest thing he could find. And it's like, dude, that's why we don't give five-year-olds matches, you know? Like, you're cut off. Anyway, political humor, killing. Why don't I just dig deeper into it? So trannies are uh, too bad. Where trannies... Where trainees go to the bathroom is back in the news. I mean, have those people just been holding it this whole time? What's the deal? Okay, so, so uh, I'm in plumbing, right? And I gotta tell you, all toilets are the same. There's no difference. Although they have made those half flush ones. I'm, you know, keep my eye on those. Uh, you know, uh, as an originalist, I think I have to inform everyone that if the founding fathers were to look at this situation, they would be like, indoor plumbing? You know, they were, you know, they had an, an outhouse or cholera. That was really it for them. That's where they were. There's, that's, yeah, politics, baby. This is my crowd. You know, I tell you what, I learned something very important from this last election from you as a Gen Xer, that uh, we can't rely on millennials for shit is what I've learned. I mean, I guess we should have known. I mean, you guys are all like allergic to peanut butter and bread. Like, we have, how can we have faith for you in the future? You know, and it's just thing after thing. I mean, you're like, I'm paleo, I'm paleo. How come I'm not losing weight? I'm so paleo. You're, nothing about you is paleo. You know what's paleo? Shivering. Shivering is paleo. Works your core. It's those hard to reach muscles. It's sorry, they're so thin back then. They're shivering all the time. If a paleo was alive today, they'd be eating bread and donuts, they'd be fucking fat and diabetic, and they'd be loving it. They'd be so happy for where they were in life. So just enough with the paleo. And your stupid fucking workouts, CrossFit, I I'm so CrossFit. We had this thing when I was growing up that took the place of CrossFit. It was called chores. They were called chores, and you did them. You stayed fit. Fucking CrossFit. Big for nothing. The only reason to do CrossFit is to just do more CrossFit. That's cocaine. That's cocaine. Cocaine went to rehab and came out as a fitness routine, and that's why we have CrossFit. I had someone when I did that, they're like, aren't you afraid someone from CrossFit's gonna like kick your ass or something? And I'm like, fuck no, man. I'll slap the water bottle out of their hand and they'll get all dehydrated and they'll just fold like a cheap suit, man. They're afraid of getting a concussion. Even mini concussions are just, oh, shut the fuck up. Man, when I was growing up, they didn't have concussions. It was called getting your bell rung. And it was good for you. Built character. Built character. Nobody for concussions. Everybody wears a helmet here. You all have to wrap your dicks for sex, too. I managed to start before AIDS, so. I know what the real thing is. Anywho, I don't like to go blue, necessarily. But that's another area where you millennials just have it too fucking easy. Pussy. Jesus. Man, pussy today is like the Iraq war, like nothing but scorched earth down there. There's nothing between you and Baghdad. There's no mystery, right? When I was growing up, it was like fucking Vietnam, right? You're in bush, in the jungle, like looking out for Charlie and shit. 
Like, you didn't know which way was north, right? The G-spot hadn't been invented yet. The orgasm was still a myth. And the clitoris was like the Mayan city of gold swallowed up by the jungle. You know, you'd be like, are you sure it's this way? Yes, keep going. And we didn't have Google Maps or the vagina monologues to tell us what to do or nothing, man. We were just on our own back then. It made us tougher. It made us tougher. Another place you guys got it too easy was fucking weed, man. Weed. Anybody here, 1987? You remember 1987, right? The year America ran out of weed. <laughs> back then, there was weed or no weed. And now you got all your fucking, which club has the special on Red Congolese this week? And the dab bars with your fucking shatter, honey glue, drip, fucking bullshit. None of you save your roaches and hoard them till Sunday because they're special. You don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? Man, we had to suffer for our weed. That made us tougher too. The highs were just so much more fun then. 57 fucking joints in one dab. You can't appreciate that. Terrible. With your fucking... We've seen you devolve. I mean, we used to, like, be homo sapiens looking each other in the eye as we passed the joint amongst ourselves. And now you all got your individual fucking vape pens and you're slowly becoming, like, homo sativas and homo indicas as you just wither away before us with your Pokemon go walk off a cliff bullshit walking headlong into traffic because your brain is pixelated by a nav app. Because <laughs> you lost your ability to find your friends in a park. <laughs> no fucking future with you guys. Zombie apocalypse, Jesus, it'll be the fucking millennial apocalypse. Anyway, so this is a dry place now, right? But I brought kombucha with me because the man can't fucking stop me, man. Fuck them, man. That's right. I finally took kombucha and made it bad. For reals. Speaking of kombucha, I used to think that was just like some marketing genius took some turnt wine and skunk beer and mixed them together and convinced us it was something worth drinking. But now I realize it's the slurry they use for fracking. Yeah, I've been drinking that stuff, and man, it is causing major climate change in my floras and my faunas, and just producing methane in insane amounts. Yep, insane amounts of methane. Yeah, so I don't know, what, what else should I talk about? I talked about toilets. You know, I would like to, now we're talking about, let's talk about some laws about toilets. Can we finally settle for once like whether to roll the toilet paper like towards the wall or away towards us. Like we need, we need to be fucking together on that. You know, if you look at the patent, they'll explain it. And another thing about the pissing on the seat bullshit, I for one would rather be the guy who leaves the seat up than the guy who pissed on the seat. Because sometimes I'll come in to urinate and I'll just kick that seat up and piss and leave it up because I would just rather... But most toilets have a lid, and I think we should all be grown-ups, and enough of this seat up, seat down 
Close like a jar, like close the lid when you're finished. Like a like like a human. All right. Peace. Matthew Quirk, the master of many things. Next up, it's Ian Levy. Levy, uh, or Levy, however you want to say it, it's fine. The uh, the person that Serene Miller singled out for being Jewish. So thank you, Serene. That happens to be a lot, actually. Last night I was in a bar. Uh, this guy next to me, uh, he was like, oh, but he, he just started a conversation with me, and he was like, who is that uh, that comedian on HBO? And I said, like, you mean John Oliver? And the guy was like, no, nah, the Jew. And he looked at me and he squinted. It's like, not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> Which, if he did not suspect I was Jewish, I guarantee he would not have said not that there's anything wrong with that. Let's see, I don't know. It seemed, let's see, I don't know. I'm not even, I don't even know if I'm Jewish. It's, I'm not, I was, because my, for me it's weird. I'm in a weird situation because uh, my, uh, my dad's Jewish and my mom, uh, my mom isn't. My dad, uh, and in the Jewish faith, uh, Judaism is passed through the mother. Uh, and so to, to Jewish people, I'm not Jewish. And to people who are not Jewish, but have seen my face, I am Jewish. Like, that's just how it goes. I have a Jewish last name and everything. It's a weird, it's a weird, uh, middle ground. I, I, I always tell people I'm not, I'm not a Jew. I'm not Jewish. I'm just Jewy. Like that's the most. I got just a general presence of like, you know. I know a good soup deal when I see. One. <laughs> that's, that's, I like soup a lot, man. And, I, and you better believe I slurp the shit out of that soup. It's like every day is like a deli <laughs> in my mouth. I instantly regret saying deli in my mouth. That just sounds <laughs> unpleasant. I am so sorry. <laughs> uh, I said, uh, I was visiting my, my, uh, dad, uh, the other day, um, uh, and he bought matzah. Do you guys, have you guys ever had matzah? You know, matzah, um, yeah. Eating, eating matzah makes me think that the Jewish people enjoy suffering. Like that's how it's, I looked at the ingredients, uh, and the ingredients are one, uh, flour, two, water, three, salt, four, the end like that is <laughs> that is so sad that is so put come on for the love of put some sesame seed in there i don't know but <laughs> any, anything spice of that taste a little bit it is so so awful it's weird i don't i never know how to how to identify i get i get this, this that weird thing a lot that, that happens i um uh, I, I was in another bar. I, I spent a lot of time in bars, and a lot of time people think I'm Jewish in bars. I don't know, but but this guy came up to me, and I was wearing a, a beanie that was like it was red, white, and blue, but not it wasn't like an American flag. Color. It was just like it was just the color scheme. And the guy's like, uh, "Hey, how's it going? Uh, I see your beanie there. I don't know any Jews who like the Patriots." I was like, what? And he's like, you're, you're, why are you wearing a Patriots beanie if you're a Jew? <laughs> I was like, what are, 
what are you <laughs> first off way to start a conversation <laughs> and, he, and i was like i'm not i'm not really jewish like i'm debatably jewish and he's like are you are you sure you're not a jew like you you seem pretty you seem like you're a jew and like <laughs> what do you say i mean all i know is if history has taught me one thing uh it's that if people are very interested in my jewish heritage uh, do not confirm that Jewish heritage because they are up to no good. Like no one's ever like Shalom. Here's a latka. They are probably gonna murder me or something. I don't. <laughs> oh dear. I don't know. I can't tell if you're laughing at my jokes. Or you're just really high. Is is. <laughs> you're not that high. Okay, <laughs> but it's a little bit. Like I, it's, you know, it's a little. Like at the laugh, it's, you're giving me a bit too much for what you're working with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, I appreciate. It. No, 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 no. Thanks, no. You guys, that's that's the Jewish half of me. <laughs> why, why is it always me? Why is it always me? Yeah, Woody Allen. That's. <laughs> uh, dear. I uh, what I wanted to talk about. I, I had some jokes, but I could just talk about my actual day. I found out my um, my uh, good friend, uh, his grandfather passed away today. Um, and it, this isn't someone I was particularly close to, but I, growing up, I was at his house a lot. He was a very nice man. Um, it's just, it, it's kind of been, been weird making me think about my life and stuff. I thought that he, when he was 24, uh, he fought in World War II. This is a man who was a soldier uh, in World War II. Uh, doing that. For those who have an insatiable appetite for all things in life, who scream at nothing and everything at the same time, who dance till sunup, who cause the sun to set again with irreverent bow, who rival the moon with gravitational force, who leave rooms feeling empty and earthquake struck, who don't give a fuck, who make, who do, who dream out loud and laugh like maniacs, who draw shock and awe on faces graced with watching, who create from the soul of an orgasm, who swagger even alone in the shower, who fight with passion, and love with passion and our passion who catapult over cliffs in the name of revolution who would rather die than fall in line to conform who constantly challenge the norm who greet each and every day as if just born i say to you i know your greatness the way a suicide jumper knows weightless just before the impact and in fact i know it best when i say to you i love you the Night Space brings you high time story time every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. Listen to San Francisco's finest underground comedians read crazy stories written by me, Arden, on The Night Space. The Night Space featuring high time story time every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. High Time Story Time Volume 1 now available on Amazon.com for Kindle and electronic download. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> 
evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find Counter Offer, offering you amazing late-night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini and creamy-licious mac and cheese. You like tacos? They got them. And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads going to come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Brenda's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son! Tell me what you think about your situation. Complication, aggravation. Is it getting to you? Then tune in live every Sunday from 12 to 2 p.m. to the Edge of Insanity with myself, Paul Brumbaugh, Kit Marie, Brandon Ray, and Mistress Christine. All on Mutiny Radio. That's right, PCRCollective.org. We'll see you there. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples 
paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsadai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. L-S-D, fap, acid, fapping, fapping, and acid, acid, fapping, fapping, and acid, fap, 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 acid. Thank you. That song is called Acid and Fapping. This is Tusha Matters with Mutiny Radio. Big up to the number one station, the ruling nation. Give it to me every time. Stand every Sunday at 1 p.m. Parque Nino Sonidos at 23rd and Folsom. The free farm stand and all volunteer run project of the No Penny Opera. It's about sharing the wealth of urban farms and gardens. Making, helping making local growth, fresh and nutrients, organic produce accessible to all, especially those in individuals or low incomes or tight budgets. The Free Farm Stand grows food in San Francisco and distributes its it for free. We act as a gathered place and mission to encourage community growth and involvement. This effort resolved most around gathering surplus foods from neighborhood gardens, various farmer markets, community gardens, public and private fruit trees, and hosting a space where this bounty can be shared with all. We also work with produce to the people who harvest organic fruits from backyard fruit trees and public spaces and bring it out to our free farm stand. For more information or if you want to help or if you have or know of a fruit tree that needs picking, you can contact Lauren with at produce to the people at produce to the people. For those who have an insatiable 